everyone welcome to another edition of the bat around a spooky edition of the bat around because it's halloween weekend there's nothing spooky about this show unless you're looking at zach's face in the camera mm. uh, i'm paul good Valley. one he's zach goodman this is the bat around coming to you from our towson studios on a cool crisp but lovely saturday fall fall saturday morning here in the baltimore metropolitan area uh, today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Online sports betting will be starting in Maryland in the next few weeks. PressBox is your source for the best offers and sign-up incentives. Starting now, you can get a $100 pre-registration credit from our friends at FanDuel by going to PressBoxOnline.com offers. The $100 credit is in addition to the new user promo you will get when they go live. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers now to get your $100 FanDuel pre-registration bonus credit. That's pressboxonline.com slash offers. It's exciting stuff, man. Um, yeah. Online sports betting. I have never placed a sports bet. I've thought about it a couple of different times, but I don't live close to any casino, right? So it's like I, I don't feel like getting in my car, driving 45 minutes to an hour, paying for parking, going inside the casino and, yeah. trying, to fig- and trying to place a bet just to come back home. Right, so if I can do this on my phone now, are you kidding me? Don't tell my wife; she'll kill me. She will. <laughs> she will. She will be on the run for murder. If you can bet on the Baltimore Ravens blowing a fourth quarter lead, I think you'd have a pretty uh, safe they, bet they, every they, week. They've held they strong didn't. two games in a row. And when I say they've held strong, <laughs> they've allowed fourth quarter points yeah. and, and held on by the skin of their teeth. But they've managed to win two in a row, and they're in first place. And the Bengals are without Jamar Chase for an extended period. So. Uh, things are looking up, and the Ravens only play one game in the next 23 days. So they have an opportunity to get healthy. David Ajabo, Tyus Bowser should be back by the time they come back from their extended break. All good, all good things in uh, for the Ravens' flock yeah. right now, but that's a topic for later in the show. Um, <laughs> last night, World Series, Game 1, instant classic. You're watching this game, right? And the Astros go up 5-0. Uh, Kyle Tucker... In the first three innings, right? Kyle Tucker hits two home runs, drives in four in the first three innings. They're up 5 nothing, and you're like, nice run by the Phillies, but the Astros are a different breed, right? Wrong. Phillies score three in the fourth, two in the fifth on a JT Brown Muto double, uh, two-run double to tie the game. Then nobody scores again until we get to the 10th inning. And then in the top of the 10th, Real Muto leads off with a home run. Drives in the last three runs of the game. He plays the hero. Phillies go on to win that game 6-5. to five. The big play of the game. Jose Altuve in the bottom of the ninth. Two outs. Bloops a base hit into center field. Only his fourth hit in 37 postseason at-bats. Yeah, yeah. And although he is four for his last 12. But, um, but usually a guy you expect to do a lot more in the playoffs. Well, if you had told me that A, the Astros would be undefeated going into the first game of the World Series this postseason, and that they'd be playing in the World Series, and Jose Altuve started 0 for 25 in this postseason, there's no way I would have believed you. There's no way that their fire starter, their igniter, is 0 for 25 and they get to the, get to the World Series. Yeah. But that's where we are. And without losing a game. But that's where we are. 
in this World Series. Bottom of the ninth, he bloops only his fourth postseason hit into center field. He steals second. Really close play. Safe or out, in your opinion? Uh, safe. Yeah, I think he's safe, too. Because the ball, even though it's touching the glove and it's touching his leg yeah. at the same time before it gets to the bag, it's not in the glove. I usually defer to safe anyway. Yeah. When it's a close play, usually they're safe. It's like NFL replay. There's not yeah. enough evidence to overturn right. the call on the field. Now, the question is, if they had called him out on the field, would that have stood? That's a, that's a qu- Well, that's, usually it does. I mean, right. usually, I mean, I think it's like 75 or 80% of the time the call on the field stands. Right. But this one is, it's, it's a question mark because... Again, it's touching the glove. It's touching out to the ball's touching the glove. It's touching out to his leg. He's not on the base yet, but he doesn't have complete control of this ball. It's not in the webbing of the glove. He hasn't brought it in yet. It's tricky. They stayed with the rolling on the field safe. So now Altuve's on second base with two outs, bottom of the ninth. And um Who's the batter after him? Is that uh I did not see that part, actually. I don't I do not know. Well the next the next batter Bloops one down the right field line. Castellanos is on his horse. Not, yes. the, not, a, not the greatest defender. No. Makes this <laughs> not at all. sliding mm-hmm. shoestring grab. Yeah, beautiful grab. Saves the game. See, I mean, how many Phillies fans threw up in their mouths oh. on, on that play? Save, all of them. <laughs> if he doesn't catch that ball, the game's over. Correct. There's two outs. Altuve's off on contact from second base. Yeah. And that ball, he, Altuve's probably already scored at the point that he catches yeah. the ball. The game's over. Hell of a catch in a yeah. huge moment for Castellanos, who had his struggles this year for sure. Right. Got that big contract uh, after being a monstrous hitter for the Reds, and he comes over and he does diddly for them this regular season. Had one RBI in the NLCS, did have an RBI base hit last night, but big catch in a big moment for Castellanos. Gives JL, JT Real Muto the opportunity to hit that leadoff Apo Taco in the top of the 10th inning. Philly's going to win the game 6 to 5. Like I said, instant classic. Yeah. Are the Phillies a team of destiny, Zach? Yeah, I mean they they certainly look like it. They've been pretty dominant, but the Astros have been too, right? I mean the Astros lost their first game last night, the entire postseason. Mm-hmm. The Astros look like if you're going to say a team of of destiny is is mm-hmm. one of these two teams, I'd probably say it's the Astros because they haven't lost in the postseason until last night. They've looked completely dominant and they've they, they've dominated every team they've played so far. So the Astros to me are they're one of the best teams we've seen in a long time. And it's surprising to me because they, they did lose. Over the past few years, they've lost a few guys. I mean, they haven't had George Springer now for two years. And, um, no there's Carlos Correa. No Carlos Correa this year, even though Jeremy Pena stepped up in a big way. He's been really good. Um, Guriel be hasn't been the player. I mean, no. But he's 39 years old. Right, but when he was 35, he was one of the best players in baseball for a little bit. Yeah, and Jose Altuve hasn't been hitting no. this postseason. And, and uh, Alvarez, ever since the, right. the, the, the division series, hasn't hit. And Alex Bregman... Um, um, one of the best players in baseball in 2019 has been relatively average since then. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's always put he's going to be like a three war player every year or greater than that. But he's a guy who isn't the MVP candidate year to year that he was before. They've lost a lot talent wise, yet they continue to be one of the best teams in baseball year in year out. So I think there's a team of destiny. It's that one. Mm-hmm. But the Phillies certainly again they've dominated just almost as much as the Astros have. And I it was funny because I was talking about Castellanos as a guy who could really be the important piece because he did struggle in the regular season. And I said, maybe he breaks out in the playoffs and maybe mm-hmm. has some kind of David Freeze you know, kind of playoff experience. But so far, it's looking pretty good. But he's definitely got to get hot at the plate. That would be a really important thing. 
but people also forget he's not an outfielder by trade. So yeah, it, he, he was a third baseman. Third baseman, yeah. yeah. Um, look, the, the Astros, and I have this in my notes. Where do they go down? As far as one of the greatest teams of all time, the 106 games this year, they didn't lose a single game in route to the World Series appearance. The first game, first game of the World Series was their first loss of the entire postseason. Yeah, the pitching staff has this is this isn't the best offense we've ever seen the Houston Astros post no, up. No. Kyle Tucker's a beast. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is a beast amongst beasts, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I mean Jose Altuve. Had the second best, uh, third best slugging. I mean, uh, OPS in all of baseball. Hit 300 this year with 28 home runs. That's 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 a dog. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. And Alex Bregman's a good player. He's not great like we thought he was, but he's a good player. But that that pitching staff has absolutely carried them. Yeah. Where do they go down? I, I mean, look, you you have to go back a long way, 150 years. Sure. So uh, you're not going to quantify. You can't quantify or qualify for that matter how good this Astros team is amongst all the greatest teams of all time, but yeah. you've got to put them up there, especially when you consider the fact that as a whole, four World Series appearances in six years, six straight yeah. ALCS appearances, I mean, this is one of the greatest franchises, one of the greatest runs from a franchise we've seen in a really long time. Yeah, that 2017 team was really special, mm-hmm. and I think that's the only team where they've been in the World Series uh, that I think is better than this one. That 2017 team obviously won. They had every piece. If you go back and look at that roster, that was a team that was stacked at every single position. I mean, there wasn't a position missing. It was like the, the where the prime Dodgers always are in 20, I guess you could say in 2020, the Dodgers were very similar to how the Astros were in 2017 because you're just stacked at every position and you you have depth at every single spot. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say this team is similar in that way, but I think this team almost more than the 2017 team um, has I don't want to say an underdog feeling to it, but I didn't hear a lot about the Astros all season. I heard about the Yankees. I heard about the Mets. I heard about the Braves. I didn't hear about the Astros. They weren't a team that was being heavily publicized. And it almost gives you, and the same way with the Phillies, obviously, because they they came in third in their division, it almost gives you a little bit of that underdog feeling. But then you look at the Phillies, and they're probably more of an underdog. But maybe that's one of the reasons you would consider this team one of the greatest of all time, because, frankly, they weren't expected to do this. I don't think they were. Let me uh, let me put it to you this way, and I'll do a comparison here. So I've worked in, I've worked in restaurants a long time, and when I worked at one particular restaurant for a really long time, I won Employee of the Month like my second or third year there, and mm-hmm. then I never won again. <laughs> and they told me that my standard every day was Employee of the Month level. So mm. they legitimately told me I would never win Employee of the Month because that was my standard. Doesn't really sound fair. It's not fair, but it, <laughs> but that was my standard, right? Yeah. Now the restaurant that I've been working in, you know, part time, here now, I've worked there for four years, and I've never won Employee of the Month. Now Employee of the Month is only something we've been doing for the last year, but I've never won because I'm the guy that shows up and does my job day yeah. in and day out. They don't have to worry about me. There's Paul. He just shows up. He rocks it out, and then he leaves. And you, you don't, they don't have to worry about me, so they also don't have to think about me. That's what the Astros are, right? Yeah. The Astros yeah. just show up day in and day out, and we're at the point now where you're not thinking about them because this is just what they do. And then you look up at the standings at the end of the year, and they've got 106 wins, and they're in the World Series again. Yeah. The, 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 steady Eddie. This is just what sure. they do 
day in, day out, year after year, to the point where it's expected, so we don't need to talk about them. The Yankees haven't, they've been one of the better teams in baseball, but they haven't been the best team in baseball in a really long time. The Dodgers are in LA, they spend $300 million a year, so you're going to, and they have an all-star roster. You're going to talk about them. The Mets are in New York. The Braves are the defending world champions. You're going to talk about them. But then there's the Astros. They just show up and put their head yeah. down and go to work every single day. Well, that I think that wasn't the case before 2017. And maybe that's why the 2017 team has all of that um, glamour around them, I guess is the word you would use. I mean, they were such a, a heavily publicized team because, again, that long rebuild and finally, you know, culminated in a World Series win in 2017. And... That was a big thing for them. That was huge. And ever since then, they've been consistent. They've been so consistently good, and they're in the World Series almost at this point year in, year out. So, yeah, you're right. They just show up. They win. They do their thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's become what's expected of them. This sounds way better, though. (laughs) This sounds way better to me. I like it, too. Um, The pitching. The Phillies pitching has been dominant all postseason. The uh, Astros pitching has been dominant all year. And yet, Aaron Nola... Two consecutive starts where he gets lit up. Four and a third innings pitched last night. Six hits, two earned runs. I mean, two home runs, five earned runs. Justin Verlander, five innings pitched. The same exact line minus the two home runs. They both had two two walks and five strikeouts. Six hits, five earned runs allowed. Yeah. Justin Verlander winless in seven career World Series starts with a 6.07 ERA. The pitching let both teams down last night. The Phillies were able to overcome at the in the last minute. Astros were not. They got a better matchup. Go- they got another good matchup going today. You got Wheeler versus uh, Valdez yep. t- tonight. Are you shocked at how uh, uh, Verlander was perfect the first time through the order last, and then he, and then he gives up three in the fourth and two in the fifth? Were you surprised at how the pitching went last night to start the game? Well, I, I think both of these teams have pitched better than I expected um, in this postseason. I think both of these teams, frankly, are known for the bats. Again, I mean, you you have so much firepower on each side, especially the Phillies. They are hands down known for the bats. You have mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos. There's guys on that team. Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott. There is Gene Segura, even if you want to throw him into that conversation. There's so many guys on that team, and that's who I've... And Real Muto, how am I forgetting him? There's so many guys on that team that I look at on the hitting side that you forget that they have guys like Nola and Wheeler and Ranger Suarez, who's been surprisingly really good all year. And Noah Syndergaard. And, of course, Noah Syndergaard. Who's like a five for them. Right. And that was one of the things that I was very excited about, the trade deadline. They got him because that kind of solidified that back end of that rotation for them. They have very underrated pitching. Zach Wheeler, if you look at his numbers, has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the past few years. It's mm. hands down. He has been. Aaron Nola doesn't look so far like he's a, a postseason guy. He doesn't look like a clutch postseason pitcher. But then again, we haven't seen the the body of work that really no, we... No runs allowed in his first two postseason starts this year. That's The that's last true. two, he's been bad. The last two, he's been really bad. But that's the, the great postseason pitchers are the ones that consistently do it all year. So I maybe it's that I don't pay attention to the, the pitching as much for these teams. But... It's surprised me a little bit, uh, just how uh, how interesting it's been. It's been really up and down for them. There's been some starters who've been putting up really good numbers, like Ranger Suarez, and some starters like Aaron Nola who haven't quite done that. And Justin Verlander last night, if you want to get to him, that's a bit of a surprise. He's never he's someone who, frankly, his entire career has gotten hit around a bit in the playoffs. Yeah, and he wasn't great his last start out no. either. And yet the Astros still have, uh, they've only lost the one game in this postseason. Now you mentioned the Phillies are known for their bats and. Bryce Harper is reason 1A that they're in the World Series. NLCS MVP, two-time National League MVP, a Rookie of the Year, a seven-time All-Star. Yeah. He is... What else? He is arguably... 
you can make a you can make you know Shohei Otani notwithstanding. You can make an argument that Bryce Harper is the best all-around position player in baseball. Well, he did win he's, MVP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah he, I mean, you can make that argument, and he's carried this team offensively. Yeah. Now, look, he's had a lot of help in the postseason too. But I mean, he's been that guy, the the steady guy, where it's just like, you know what? This is my team. This is our year. Get on my back. Yeah, and that and that's what he's done. That two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning uh, to put them into the World Series in Game Five. Zach, I, I, I got to tell you, man, that is maybe one of my favorite moments of yeah. all time. It, uh, it, that moment, that home run, and when they played it, when they played the video to the money ball, the money music, ball, yeah, I love when, that yeah. for the Scott Hadenberg yeah. uh, walk off homer for win twenty in a row. Uh, that ma- that moment was absolutely magical, and he hit it, and he watches it right, and then he walks, and he 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 go, he looks at his dugout, and he does a little phone call thing, and then he <laughs> highlights. Phillies and yeah. throws the hands down like it's done. Yeah, rounds first base, does a little "I love you" sign with his hand out to the crowd. Yeah, runs around the bases, and my favorite part of this moment, aside from the fact that he just hit the biggest home run of his career and maybe the biggest home run in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies, he crosses home plate. He says something to the camera, and then he goes and he high fives and fist bumps his his teammates. He doesn't showboat. He doesn't gloat. He doesn't look overly exuberant. You look at his face, and this is a man who has realized in this moment the enormity of what he had just done. Yeah. Realizes how huge this moment is. And he almost seems, for lack of a better term, overwhelmed by what he's just done. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber is looking him in the face like, do you realize what you just effing did? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. This is a guy who's taking in the moment. He's letting the fans have this moment. He's not making it about himself. He's making it about the Phillies. He's making it about the fans, about the franchise, about the city. Doesn't, no rah-rah, no pomp and circumstance, no jumping up and down. To me, that was the most endearing moment in the Bryce Harper Philadelphia Phillies era. What what he just did and not making it about himself. You're not going to find a bigger moment in the history of that franchise Probably my favorite postseason moment of all time that really? doesn't, that doesn't okay. involve the Orioles. It was so incredible. And I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. Yeah, I know I, you are. He's just, he's just a clean-cut dude. He he doesn't do anything wrong in the offseason. Yeah. He, he took less money to go play for an organization with no opt-outs to have the stability of being in one place for the rest of his career. Take and like I said, takes he is worth so much more oh, yeah. than the twenty five oh, yeah. million dollars a year he's making, but he doesn't care. Because he's there to play baseball and win championships, and that's what he's doing. That's what he's yeah. doing. It's worth every penny. Bryce Harper, 100%. I already love the dude. 100% endeared himself to me Yeah. in that moment. Your thoughts on that home run? Well, I, th- I think there's been a lot of... You talk about pomp and circumstance, and that's kind of surrounded Bryce Harper for his career. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy who's on Sports Illustrated cover at 16 years old. Right. He's a guy who consistently throughout his high school career, and then I think he played one year in community college and then was drafted When he should have been a senior in high when, school. When he should have been a senior in high school, he played in community college. He was drafted from there and was in, this phenom. Go in, ahead. In, in, in 2012, they did a commercial, a black and white commercial... Yeah talking about legends of the game and yeah. Hall of Famers, and Bryce Harper's in that commercial in his rookie season. Yeah, he was one of those guys that's been romanticized from the beginning. He's a guy who everyone thought would be this superstar, and I, I think there were a lot of expectations for him to live up to 
when it came to Washington. And, you know, his first few years, he was unreal. He won an, uh, an MVP really early in his career. I think 2015 it 2015. was. Um, he had like 49 home runs and had an OPS of over 1,200. The guy was unreal. One of the best seasons ever. And then he had a few down years because I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. And again, that that pomp and circumstance, if you want to use those words, surrounding him was so great. And there's so much expectation on Bryce Harper's back. I felt that this year, the Bryce Harper we saw was kind of a different one. I thought the ego wasn't there as much. He was more of a team player. And I think that goes into what the Phillies have built as a culture. Well, I think we saw that last year, too, and when he won MVP. You're right. That's true. Um, but the, the Phillies are a team that won 87 games this year. They are, they are not the best team in baseball, and they were, I think, far from it this year. But they won, and they've continued to win because of an incredible culture and teamwork and these guys just kind of rallying with each other and, and putting the team on their back. Bryce Harper this year, and like you said last year as well, looks like a different player to me. He looks like he wants to win for the team and not just himself. And that's yeah. a really big difference. And when he hit that home run, you're right, it was an incredible moment. Iconic. No, it, it was absolutely, I, I love that terminology, iconic. Yeah. It was absolutely iconic. It. It's the biggest home run in the history of the franchise. Yeah, watching right? the fans in that video, just go back and watch the fans again. It's incredible. It's, it, have you seen the view oh, yeah. from behind mm-hmm. him off to the side? I saw the money bowling too. A- absolutely iconic moment. Thank you. That's the best way that we could put it. Is it's an iconic moment. You're gonna see the highlight of that home run for the rest of time. Yeah, it, it's one of the biggest home runs in the history yeah. of the postseason. And it, it's just the way that he took it all in and made it about the team and the fans was just absolutely unbelievable to me. I I, I loved every bit of it. He's worth he's worth every penny. That's what good and, players should be doing in the postseason. Yeah, that's what they paid him for. That's exactly what they paid him for. Right now, the Phillies. We talked about how more so known for their bats, they weren't the best. They won four more games than the Baltimore Orioles this year. Right, twenty-two and twenty-nine after fifty-one games, they fired Joe Girardi, who was brought in to take a good team and make them great and get them to make a run like this. And he couldn't get the job done. There were reports when he was with the Yankees that he lost um, the locker room, that like he was too old school and all that. Uh, they had to fight. They, they they make Rob Thomas Rob Thompson the um, Rob Thomas Matchbox Twenty. I wanna push you around. Anyway, um, they uh, they make Rob Thompson the interim manager. They take that tag off uh, after they go. I think it was sixty five and forty six the rest of the way. They take that tag off of him. Uh, give him a two year extension, a vote of confidence. They had to fend off the Brewers at the end of the year. The Brewers made a run. They the Phillies held them off by one game to get into the postseason, and now they're three wins away from the World Series. How improbable has this run been in your eyes? Extremely. Again, we, we talk about the, the team not being quite as talented as, and again, winning four more games than the Baltimore Orioles. They're not as talented as a lot of teams you'll see go to the World Series. They're probably one of the, the least talented teams we've seen in the World Series in a while. But it, it, again, I think it's that culture they cultivated there that's been so important for them. They are, across their positions, there's some really great players. I mean, Bryce mm-hmm. Harper, again, we, we talked about Kyle Schwarber, Zach Wheeler. There's some really great players in this team, but they don't have the, the stacked roster like the New York Yankees do or the, the Los Angeles Dodgers or any of the other playoff teams. I think they were um, up there with the Rays for the least talented playoff team this year. So it's I incredible. Don't know, I don't know about all that. They, okay. they, they have three, That's maybe, my opinion. maybe four. It, it is your, and, and it's, it's not a bad opinion. You know, it's your opinion. My opinion is they have three or four really good starters. They do. Uh, they have, I mean, Kyle Schwarber led the National League in home runs, second in the majors, yeah. right? Um, Bryce Harper, two-time MVP. Uh, JT Realmuto, arguably the best catcher yep. in baseball. Apologies to Adley Rutschman. He hasn't reached that level <laughs> yet, but he's he's getting there quick. He's getting there. Um, Nick Castellanos, and he had a down year. I expect him to bounce back next year sure. and, have, and have a better year. Um, then you look at 
Alec Bohm came on, Stock came on, uh, Reese Hoskins had a solid year and has had a decent, not a lot of hits, but his hits have been big, um, like five home runs in the postseason. This is a it, it, it's a good lineup, a good rotation. Their bullpen is probably why they faltered a bit yeah. this year. But it was great last night. Yeah, so. it, but it was great last night. It's been great this postseason. Yeah. So I don't know that they had that they were maybe the second least talented team be, behind the Rays. Fair enough. Um, but they weren't. As, they're, they're not as talented as the Dodgers sure. or the Braves or, or even the Padres or the Padres yeah. or the you know what I mean? they, they, they aren't. But they're a good baseball team. That's so, why they're there. I mean, I, I remember saying, as soon as Joe Girardi was fired, I think I said it on the show, that I, I didn't really think he was the right choice. I never really felt like he was... I, Joe Girardi succeeded with the Yankees because the Yankees were always really good. They mm-hmm. had so many good players. I mean, go back and look at those rosters. They're stacked. And his temperament, he was a former Yankee. His temperament fit that, 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 yes. that the culture that, that yes. the front office wanted to put in place. But with as the years go on, you're getting younger players who are more modernized, right. and that's going to wear wear on people i mean look at the change that alec bohm has made just mm-hmm. since rob thompson's taken over it's it's huge i mean alec bohm is not one of the better third basemen in baseball yet but he's certainly taken a big step forward he really struggled under joe girardi and he had now i don't know if that's just his personal development or what that is but it's notable yeah no it, it, it absolutely is now let's bring back mickey moniak and see what he can no i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> number one overall pick right uh, it's, it's amazing i've never even heard of him he was the number one overall pick in 2016, and before this year, I'd never even heard of him. I I, I guess I'd heard of him, but I didn't realize he had been the number one overall pick. Just not pick. exactly notable. Right. Because he, 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 he never fell, done anything. He fell out of the prospect rankings, the top 100, pretty quickly because he struggled. He hit like 200 his first two years in the minors, so he just never really got anywhere. Trouble with the curve. Um, before we get to Stan, I do want to talk a little bit about the Orioles. This is an Orioles-centric show. They're, just, they're not in the postseason, so we'll have plenty of time after this week because... The, uh, the World Series will probably be over by the time we do our next show. Maybe not. Maybe it goes seven games. But yeah. Uh, um, so we'll we'll talk about the the World Series again throughout this show. But I do want to talk Orioles making a little bit of news here. Uh, Brandon Hyde named the Sporting News and American League Manager of the Year. It's not the official award, but it's still nice for him to get the recognition. He actually wasn't aware of that. I did not know that there was a more official award than that. No, it's I it, it's, it's there's the Major League Baseball awards um sporting news like ryan mountcastle was a sporting news rookie of the year last year that's voted on by the players right um but then he didn't even finish as a finalist uh it, for the actual award uh, the baseball award uh buck showalter won the sporting news nationally manager of the year for the fourth time uh ramona rias and cedric mullins named gold glove finalists jorge mateo who wins the fielding bible uh, award for best defensive shortstop in all of major league baseball had by far and away the best defensive metrics metrics of any shortstop in either league. Yeah. Not a finalist for the gold glove. Which makes me think, if he had hit two fifty with a three twenty one base percentage, fifteen home runs, seventy RBIs, and led the led the American League in stolen bases, is he a finalist? It's I I, I have to imagine if his offensive numbers are better, if his batting average is what his own base percentage was, which was 267. Yeah. Is he a finalist for the Gold Glove? Because to me, it seems like a popularity contest. Well, that's what I said last week in sounding off, that I, I did it on the fact that it is a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. I think the guy, I mean, we talked about Derek Jeter and the amount of Gold Gloves. Five he, Gold Gloves. Five Gold Gloves he won. Top of all time. Right, and I think since the the days of Brooks Robinson winning his 16, I think it's changed a lot. I think back then it was so much more of a, you get it because of how good you are and not so much of what the team you play for and what position you play. Um, you know, Derek Jeter is a great example, but there's so many other guys. I talked about uh, Dalton Varsho being 
being eligible in two positions, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. I'm not a whole big fan of the, the gold glove thing. Not not a big fan. But yeah. uh, it, it's so I'm not really upset at that. I look at Mateo and I congratulate him for a great season. Yeah. That's he played yeah. really well in defense. Uh, uh, fielding Bible defensive player of the year uh, at, at shortstop. Um you also look at the fact that Ramon Arias is a finalist at third base, despite the fact he played 86 games. Yeah, at third yeah. base, he was really good. He was clearly the best defensive third baseman in in the American League, but he only played 86 games there because of injury. And then, and his he's so versatile. He's an elite defender at second base, also, and I think that could be his spot next year. We shall see. Uh, we got to get Stan the fan on the line while Zach does that. I want to remind you the press box is Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Maryland quarterback Billy Edwards, former Ravens head coach Brian Billick, and offensive coordinator Jim Caldwell, Wizards guard Will Barton, and Pacers forward and former Terp Jalen Smith. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Uh, I am fine, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well also. Thank you for asking. Sam, did you stay up and catch that whole game? It ran pretty late. Uh, yes, I watched every pitch of the game. Yes, I did. Phillies win 6-5 to five in 10 innings. The Astros, they take a 5 nothing lead on two Kyle Tucker home runs uh, and four RBIs in the first three innings. Phillies score three in the fourth, two in the fifth. Is this an instant classic last night? Uh, pretty darn close. I mean, it was a, a very entertaining game. I mean, I did not give the Phillies much of a shot when uh, they fell behind 5 nothing no. after uh, Kyle Tucker's second home run uh, and the way Verlander looked. But then when it started to fall apart for Verlander, I just kept saying, geez, that, that thing about his earn run average, you know, in, in the post, in not the postseason, in the World Series mm-hmm. and the fact that he had never won a World Series game, you wonder if it just sort of, here's a guy who's pitched tons of big games, but in the biggest games, he sort of, uh, you know, chokes it a little bit. You know, I hate to call Justin Verlander a choke, but, you know, the, the evidence is there. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not lived up to the moment. No, and you know, it's, it's crazy. I was talking about this. I was talking about this with Glenn and Tyler Kepner, uh, the New York Times baseball writer. There's a famous, there's a famous quote, uh, and I think it was by the late Johnny Padres, who was a big star with the Brooklyn and L.A. Dodgers for a long time, and then a long time pitching coach. He said that greatness in big moments isn't that you step up your performance. It's that you're able to stay at the same level of performance while others recede from that level. Yeah, mm-hmm. you catch you catch what that's about. Yes, sir. So, you know, Justin Verlander, there must be there must be something to this that he sort of he's he is not he's not keeping his even keel. He gets caught up emotionally in the moment. Well, it's it's so, it's that's certainly the, that's the way I see it. It's a, the fourth World Series that he's pitched in. He's winless now in seven yep. starts with a six oh seven ERA. But you look at yep. him and you 
you think of Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and yet when he gets mm-hmm. to the postseason, he falls apart. Yet these are the two guys who are one and two in career postseason strikeouts. So the greatness is still there, but they kind of fall apart under the big, the brightest of lights. It's just a crazy thing to see. Yeah. Now, I mean, both of them are obviously first ballot Hall of Fame pitchers. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. But you yeah. know, not everybody's built for the for the bright lights. Now, you're not you're never going to yeah. convince me that they can't go out and win you a game, but it's certainly glaring. Um, Stan, that that catch by Castellanos in the in the bottom of the ninth inning, Altuve yeah. with two outs gets that bloop single. He steals second uh, with two down, and then the bloop down the right field line. That ball drops in. Altuve scores. Easily. Easily. Right. And Castellanos, not known for his defense in right field, the third baseman by trade, makes this sliding shoestring grab to save the game, to give uh, to give way for the JT Realmuto game-winning home run in the top of the 10th. How incredible and how big was that catch? It was uh, absolutely huge. You know, Castellanos is not really known for his defense. Right. Um, um, but... You know, he had a good read on the ball. <clears throat> he was playing deep. I mean, Pena's a deep threat. Uh, but you can't play too deep there without Tuve at second base, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just was amazed that they didn't do that they didn't do a better job at at least tossing over one time on Altuve, though. You right. know, I mean, you know the game there is that he's going to try and run. Oh, so, absolutely. I and mean, they, just, they just missed him by uh, a hair. Uh, the whole so the whole sequence was very exciting, you know. Yeah. Uh, from from Altuve single through Real Muto's uh, home run, and then through how they just barely got through that inning, you know, with David Robertson. Yeah. You know, I like Robertson. I like Robertson a lot, and uh, A Rod mentioned him in the post game show. You know that he's a real gamer. Uh, he he had an unfortunate turn in Philadelphia. Like two or three years ago, you know, they gave him some big money and they reacquired him this year where he'd been pitching for the Cubs. And I thought he, uh, he, I thought he pitched, you know, well last night. He was gut, he was gutsy. There's no question about it. Uh, he was, it was imperative that they, it was imperative that the Phillies win that game for them to have a real chance at this series. Well, yeah, you got, you figure they, they have to at least split in Houston to have, to have a shot at winning the series. And you speak of, of Robertson. Um, they had that Tommy John surgery and the poor rehab from that. The people thought that he was maybe done. He goes out and has a huge year for the Cubs and the Phillies this year. And, and Stan, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, and the Orioles are going to be looking for some uh, maybe some relief help. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. You look at the Astros, Stan, 106 wins. They were undefeated in the postseason until losing last night to the Phillies. A lot of great teams in the history of baseball. You look at every world champion is a good team and there is a good or great team in their own right. But this Astros team, they kind of Zach and I were talking about this. All the talk this year was the Yankees, the Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, and then ho hum, here's the Astros winning 106 games, reaching their sixth straight NL, the sixth straight ALCS, fourth World Series in six years. Where do they go down? As are they one of the greatest teams of all time if they finish this thing out and win the World Series? Um, they'll, they'll start to be, you know, they'd start to be, you know, they, they've still got, uh, a taint on them from, from yeah. six years ago, you know, or five years ago. Uh, there's no question about that. So it would certainly start to, uh, you know, put them in, in a, 
in a higher esteem. Uh, there's no question about it. No question about it. And then uh, Aletimus Diaz last night, you mentioned the, that they still have the stain on them from 2017. He intentionally tries to lean into consecutive pitches. He gets hit by the pitch, and the umpire's like, no, get back here. Um, mm-hmm. Is that more glaring because of that stain from 2017? No, because he wasn't on the team in 2017. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I don't I don't see anything. I think that was a sort of a, a, a poor attempt at getting on base. Yeah, it doesn't show a lot, a lot of self-confidence. I applaud the umpire, and, the, and the, you know, you looked at the replay, and Dusty never even came out. It yeah. was pretty darn obvious. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was clear. It was clear. Yeah. Uh, conversely, Phillies, they, they, they're up one nothing. They're three wins away from the World Series despite barely hanging on to a wild, their wild card, winning just 87 games this year. Uh, before we talk about how, how unlikely of a champion they are, um, you look at what they did, what Bryce Harper did specifically. Bottom of the eighth, two outs, tying run on base. He hits a two-run homer to put them up 4-3 to three and put them into the World Series. Saying, in my opinion, this is one of the greatest postseason moments of all time. What are your thoughts on that home run by Bryce Harper? Obviously, the biggest home run of his career. Is it one of the biggest home runs in the history of the Phillies? Uh, that was really a, a very tense at-bat. Uh, with a great hitter going up against a pitcher who, albeit doesn't have the uh, bona fide, uh, you know, career that uh, Harper has, but he was on his game too. Uh, he was throwing 99, 100 miles an hour, but Harper was on just about every pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was fouling a couple off, but uh, he he is one confident uh, hitter. There's no question about it. Stan, his two-strike approach, to me, is a thing of beauty. When he gets to two strikes, he spreads the, he spreads the legs in the batting stance. He puts his weight on his back leg, doesn't do the leg kick. He just turns on the, on the ball of that front foot so that he can let the ball get as deep as possible uh, before to recognize the pitch and try and either foul it off or put it in play and go with the pitch. He does that, hits the, t- the two-run homer to the opposite field. Uh, Bryce Harper, to me, is just an elite hitter. Uh, do you agree? Yes, no, no question about it. Absolutely. No question about it. Now, yeah. the Phillies, again, we mentioned, they kind of backed into the playoffs, barely holding off the Brewers, uh, who made a late-season push. They get in with 87 wins, and next thing you know, they're three wins from the World Series. How unlikely of a champion are the Philadelphia Phillies? Well, they're, you know... Uh, They've got you know they've got three more games to win to be a champion, but to be even where they are right now, you know, is uh, a real testament to uh, the general manager and the uh, the manager that he hired to take over. You know, again, not to quote a Rod extensively, but you know, you you tend to think of this guy as a as a um, uh, Rob Thompson as sort of like a first time you know manager and all that. I mean, he was on. He was uh, a coach with those great Yankee teams. You know, I mean, he's got five rings. A Rod yeah. said, "I I didn't realize that until uh, until last night." I mean, it's clear he was coaching for Girardi in '09, but he he must have coached on some of those other teams. You know, uh, under Joe Torre. Stand up. So this is a guy who's been around. He's been around winning, and he knows how to win. Uh, the the club. Clearly, the the biggest thing about the Phillies is what it says about Joe Joe Girardi. You know, 
Uh, this is a guy who was pretty darn cocky back when Andy McPhail wanted to hire him uh, as a manager of the Orioles when he took over, you know, because he had had him as a catcher in with the Cubs. And he sort of, he played it the right way. He didn't want to be part of a rebuilding new. If he waited out that year, he had a shot at the Yankee job and it all played out. He got the Yankee job and he won a world series pretty quickly as manager of the Yankees. And then he, he sort of, uh, I won't say rested on his laurels, but he's got a way of doing things. And he and the Yankees sort of, uh, parted ways over over his inability to really embrace what they wanted to do, you know, analytically. Stan, and and I would say the same thing in Philadelphia. Go Stan, ahead. Stan Joe Girardi um, out with the Yankees, out with the Phillies, kind of for the same reason. Does he get another managing job in baseball, or is he pretty much cooked? Talk to Tyler Kepner about that as well. Uh, that was my last question for him because he covered him very extensively, and he, he's seemed to give the impression he didn't think it was uh, anywhere near a slam dunk that he'll be back managing again, you know. Stan, I, I was talking about this a, a few minutes ago on the show that Alec Boehm, who was a top prospect for a while for the Phillies, really took a big step yep. forward this year. And it, it yep. seems like to me he kind of found his found his place in that lineup, found his place in that team. And he was a guy who even said, uh, I, to paraphrase, get me out of here. Um, midway through the season, he mouthed that into the camera and everyone saw it and it became a big thing. But now, you know, he made a great defensive play last night. Um, so far, he's not having the greatest postseason, but he, he did hit only hit 280 with a 315 on base percentage during this year. But it looks to me like he's taken a bit of a step forward and kind of found his spot in Philly. Do you, would you credit that to, to Rob Thompson, the new Phillies manager? Uh, I'm not sure of the dynamic there, who's, who's the hitting coach, uh, but there's, there's no question that Boehm really was the, the big, the big player, you know, we can look at Bryce Harper now and we can look at, you know, Real Muto, Real Muto and Schwarber and Castellanos. They're, of course, big players. Yeah. But Boom was the guy when Harper went down, Boom really stepped up yeah. and was kind of otherworldly for about a month yeah. until the other guys really came along. So while he's not the most valuable Philly over the course of the year, he really is the unsung hero, and I love that player. I think he's a terrific player. Yeah, he, he really came into his own this year. Like you said, the way he stepped up when Harper went down was huge for the Phillies, and without him, they may big, not be big at bat last Big at bat last night, you know, getting that double down the left field line. Yeah, yeah, to get things started there in the fifth yeah. inning. Now, yeah. now um, Stan, yeah. if the we mentioned the Phillies, they needed to at least split in Houston. They've got Zach Wheeler going up against Framber Valdez today, uh, or tonight, excuse me. If, if the Phillies find a way to win game two, does this series get back to Houston? Uh, I would still say it does get back to Houston because that the, the Phillies were very fortunate to win the game last night. You know, mm-hmm. when you fall behind... Look at the record. What was it? Something like 500 and something to 18. You know, a team, I forget the, the win-loss record when you have five-run lead. I didn't uh, see it. Yeah, there was some stat that it just sort of like, you know how the stat shows up, a, a team, yeah. their record is 82 and, and three in the eighth inning if they let. 
right. uh, is sort of like that kind of record if you have a five-run lead in a World Series game. So the Phillies were very fortunate to win that game. Their problem is going to be, and I, I was hoping they could steal game one, I, Valdez has really got to be on tonight to beat Wheeler because Wheeler is probably a hair more dominant than than Valdez. I mean, Valdez is real good. If Wheeler's on, it's going to be like a really taunt, a taunt uh, pitching, um, you know, duel tonight. Uh, but their problem has always been who's going to win three, four, and five. You know, or mm-hmm. who's pitching in three, four, and five. And they, I think Rob Thompson really gambled uh, by putting Suarez in last night. I think he knew that he had to get a little bit of length there, and he matched up well when he brought him into the ball game. But yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say it still gets back to Houston, yeah. even even if they even if they win tonight. And you could you could. The Phillies could go up 3-0 and you still can't count out the Houston Astros. They're just they're too good. They're too good. They're too well run. Now, when we last talked, Stan, uh, you said you wouldn't be surprised if we woke up if we woke up last Monday morning and the Yankees Astros were tied two to two. Astros yep. swept. Yankees, they got off to a yep. historic start. They felt they faltered midseason. Finished strong, but they got swept in the ALCS. When you look at this season, if you're the Yankees and you're a Yankee fan, is this season a disappointment? Yeah, I would say it would be a disappointment. You know, there's not a lot of teams that say that uh, with 99 wins, but right. this is a team that, uh, you know, the years creep up on you. You know, the Orioles is going to be, uh, what, 40 years next year since they won a World Series yep. or even have been in a World Series. Uh, that doesn't happen overnight. The Yankees are suddenly, and that's why I was so surprised that Boone got the vote of confidence right away, and I guess if he got a vote of confidence, there's no talk about you know uh, attempting to uh, move on from uh, uh, Brian Cashman. So I, w- I would say it's a disappointment, and I would frankly, th- those two guys, Boone and um, Cashman, uh, are kind of the last guys I'd want running my ship right now. You know, w- in New York. Given, given how long it's been and what they do, they, they sort of have an M.O. that I don't know if it's capable of winning a championship. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. And it's been now 13 seasons since the team was in the World Series. You look at the previous 14 seasons, they were there six times and they won, what, four of them? Four or five of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. with, with Boone, like you said, he got that vote of confidence pretty quickly. How much longer is yep. his leash if he can't get them to the World Series? Well, I, th- I think, um, I think uh, you know, Boone will get next year. And then, uh, you know, I mean, how is, remember, um, remember uh, the, the thing with, with uh, Hal Steinbrenner, he, he doesn't want to be his father, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. You know, so that's, a, then when you say, you know, how much longer does he have, he wants to portray himself, uh he, he wants to portray himself as something different and better, um, you know, which is something we're seeing in Baltimore, you know, with John Angelos. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if Boone is going to do it next year, he may have to do it without his biggest star. Aaron Judge hit 311 this year, led the majors in home runs, RBIs, OPS. Yet he gets to the postseason, hit 135 this postseason. In his career, he has a 211, 310, 462, 772 slash line. 
what is Aaron Judge's legacy ultimately when you look at how great his regular seasons have been and then how poor his postseasons have been? Um, that's a that's a hard question to ask. I mean, he's still a, he's a great Yankee. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's an all time type of Yankee. Uh, the the biggest problem. The Yankees, I, I feel if, if Aaron Judge hadn't had the injury history um, that he's got, right. I, I don't see any question that the Yankees would have would have signed him by now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he, um, he turned down me, a lot of money. They look at they look at he turned down a lot of money, but but he's a, he's you know he's in that range of Machado and Harper, except for the fact that he misses a lot he misses a lot of time. I didn't miss any time this year. I think he played uh, an awful lot of the games in 21. But he's a, he's a guy that if you have a $35, $38 million for 8, 9, 10 years, and all of a sudden he comes up with that back problem, you you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to play around. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I'm, they- not saying they, I'm not saying they want to move on from him, but I think they understand – uh, you know he's going to be their their primary guy that they're trying to sign. They're going to dangle that Yankee captaincy in front of him, you know, which is something that so few people have had. Uh, but um, they're into the free agent market. I mean, if the Dodgers decide they want to play in that market, or the Mets decide they want to play in that market, um, it, it's quite possible they could lose them. Yeah, and but sin- you know. I listened to Costas's reason when he was doing the postgame show. All things considered, it's hard to imagine the Yankees letting him walk away. It is. It is. San Francisco is reportedly going to make a hard push for him. He is from that area. They're looking to make him the centerpiece of their next uh, competitive team. But, Sandy, he's 30 years mm-hmm. old. You mentioned the injury history. I cannot imagine a te- any team, even the Yankees, giving him more than six years on a contract there's it, to me that would just be madness um i th- i don't think he'll get 10 and clearly he won't get 13 but i could see a team you know that if if the giants are in it and the yankees are offering 6 and they're solid on 6 i could see the the team that's trying to take him away sort of get, going through the the analytics of negotiating and saying you know what if, he ha- if we sign him for eight years and he's really good for five of those years, you know, uh, we've, we've won. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Giants and Dodgers go after him if one of them didn't give him seven or even as much as eight years. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't and, shock me. And a lot of times, Stan, with those contracts, and I think you can agree with this, that you're paying for the first half. Of the contract, and you're, yeah. you're you're willing to to make do with the second half if the player is elite the first half of that contract. And that's and that that may be the case with a guy like Aaron Judge. The body was breaking down in his mid to late twenties. I can't imagine it, it staying solid for the next eight years. We will certainly see as well. This we we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, some yep. some Orioles news. Brandon Hyde, he wins the Sporting News AL Manager of the Year. Buck Showalter wins in the NL for the fourth time in his career. It's not the real award, but it's noteworthy nonetheless. Uh, Brandon Hyde, more than deserving, right? He, he imp- the, the team improved by more than 30 wins uh, from 2021 to 2022. 
And Brandon did a fantastic job. I still think when the big award, the manager of the year award comes out, it's probably going to be Scott Service. Mm-hmm. But it's it's great that he's got one of those honors. And uh, Brandon did a terrific, terrific job. And it's a good award to win because that's voted on by um, AL managers and coaches. So the fact that, that he, he it shows what these other teams, what, what the the, the, the guys at the helm of these other teams think of Brandon Hyde. So uh, it, it, it's a good win for him. Now you move to some other hardware. Uh, Ramona Rios, despite only playing 86 games at third base, he's a finalist for the gold glove there. Cedric Mullins, a finalist for the gold glove in center field. Yet Jorge Mateo, who wins the Fielding of Bible Award as the best defensive shortstop in the game, the best defensive metrics in either league at the position, left off as a finalist for the gold glove uh, Ramona Rios and Mullins. Are who, are, they... who are the who are the finalists for that position? It, it is hard to believe. It is uh, Jeremy Pena, Xander Bogarts, mm-hmm. and Carlos Correa. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Uh, well, they've they've lost some credibility in my mind. Yeah, yeah. it's more of a popularity contest yeah. when you look at the names there. But if yeah. if, if Mateo stand if his if well, if... it can't be that much of a it can't be a total popularity contest if Pena's there. Well, you know, he is on the Astros. I, I think I that's. I, you know something. The, the more the more I think about it, I watch Pena this year because of fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would watch games where I had a pitcher that he he's not. He's, he may get good defensively. He had like nineteen or twenty errors. Yeah, he um, but he's a rookie. He plays for the hundred and six win Astros, and he replaced Carlos Correa there. And so I, the, the spotlight was on him, and he had a solid offensively. He had a solid he had a solid season. If you look at all those guys who were finalists, they were really good offensively. Jorge Mateo was not good offensively. You're talking two twenty one with a two sixty seven yeah. base percentage. I feel like if you if his on base percentage is his batting average, and his on base percentage is close to around three three twenty, maybe he is a finalist. And to me, it just shows like it kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing because it's supposed to be based on your defensive yeah, metrics. I believe Michael Elias yeah, also said when they drafted Jeremy Pena in the third round of the 2018 draft, Michael Elias said well, at the time was scouting director that they thought they drafted one of the best defensive shortstops in that draft. Um, so it's interesting to see that his bat has kind of taken, I guess, a little bit of the uh, the the light away from his defense because it seems like his bat's the taking luster, a step forward. The luster, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and is that's not distressing as too. Too harsh a word. That's a little surprising to me that they would, you know, they would have a reputation of of something that's important, uh, an award like that or a recognition like that, and they seem to have gotten it very wrong this year. Yeah, it, there's it, no way Mateo. There's no way Mateo isn't better than 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 Pena at this point in time defensively, and Bogarts. There's no way he's not better. Yeah, if, if he was Correa more of a household name, good, yeah. yeah, if he was more of a yeah. household name or a better offensive player, I think he would have been a finalist. And it's just, honestly, it's not fair because he was the best defensive shortstop in the game. But life isn't fair, so we move on. Um, MLB trade rumors—they did their Orioles offseason outlook la- the week before this past one, so last week. Um, they were talking about how the Orioles might not want to sign one of those big name shortstops. Uh, we're talking Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, uh, Tim Anderson, um, Trey Turner. Uh, because of the names that they have in place, Joey Ortiz, Kobe Mayo, Jackson Holiday, and Jordan Westberg were names that they mentioned, and that's before they even mentioned Connor Norby. Um, do you think that that's the right way to go, Stan? I don't think that that the mindset should be, well, we have all these prospects, so we don't need to prove an established big leaguer. 
I just don't see that as being, I, I, I think with Mateo and Henderson on your roster next year, mm-hmm. uh, and both, both very affordable when you're talking about trying to up payroll and become even more competitive. I don't see any way, shape, or form they're in the hunt for a Densby Swanson, a Bogarts, or Correa. It just doesn't make any sense. There's other areas of greater need than than having a, a big-time shortstop that commands big-time money. Now, Stan, I talked with Luke Jackson about this a few weeks ago, and he said, look, if you're playing in the AL Central, yeah, you can have Jorge Mateo play shortstop for you every day and bat him ninth. But in the American League East, you can't have that offensive profile in your lineup and compete day in and day out. Um so that, that that his offensive um the, the his lackluster offensive numbers that doesn't shy you away from having him be your starting shortstop in 2023. We're talking about Mateo now? Yeah. Yeah. No, not not for uh, I I could see a scenario where they end up giving the job to uh Henderson, but I think Mateo is on this team unless unless we're talking about a trade scenario where some team, you know, with the, the idea I have with this deal that I could see taking place with the Marlins, if the Marlins hold him in high esteem and you could get Jesus Lazardo or Lopez from the Marlins from Mullins and him, that mm-hmm. starts to be a really interesting proposition to make. Yeah, and... You know? And you were talking to me about this uh, last night and again this morning about the the Marlins are certainly in the market for a center fielder willing to trade from their stockpiling of pitching. So you think that Mullins could be a likely guy to go if it's going to bring back somebody like a Lizardo or even a Pablo Lopez? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think they were to explore that. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean they don't that that doesn't mean that they won't have Mullins back in any way, shape or form. But I, I really find it hard to believe that they would come back with that same outfield. You know, you've yeah. got to figure out, you've got to figure out how you get better offensively on this. Uh, you know, by by 2023, you know, the team on base percentage is 305. There's a lot of dead wood in that lineup, and I agree, Mateo is. But I don't think the answer, with as many holes as this team still has. Um, I don't think they can be dazzled by their 83-win season this year. They, they need to be smart and not be arrogant that, hey, we've got all the answers right here. You know, I mean, Buck Showalter always liked to say, you know, you're always looking around for somebody else's treasure when you might have treasure right here. I think we have a pretty good idea what Hayes, Santander, and Mullins are now as players, you know. And I don't see any way, shape, or form you bring all three of them back. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And Luke Jackson says he thinks that all three of them could be gone by some point next season. Now, Stan, it's an interesting thought that maybe you could trade Cedric Mullins, who had a really good year this year, but really down from a 30-30 year the year before. was really bad against left-handed pitching, especially the second half of the season. Um, if he gets traded, there's an interesting name that's a free agent after this season, and that's Brandon Nimmo. And that's a guy who mm-hmm. bats from the left side. He plays center field. Um, he doesn't steal a ton of bases, but he got the speed. He, he has seven triples this year. Hits for decent power, a lot of doubles, um, and he gets on base. As a left-handed batter, he hits about 270 against both 
uh, left-handed and right-handed pitching, is that a guy you could really see the Orioles making a push for, especially if they trade a guy like Cedric Mullins? I think he's going to be too. I think he's going to be out of their price range. I think really? Nimmo's going to be one of these guys. Yeah, I think Nimmo's going to be one of these guys that you're shocked uh, that you're going to see get like an eighty million dollar contract. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I feel like he's young enough that that eighty million contract could be, or that he could get maybe five or six years at, at fifteen to twenty million. And you think that's how the Orioles' price range, considering how low their payroll is and the flexibility that they have now. Well, with all with the other things that they need to accomplish, yeah, I do. Okay, fair enough. Stan, we're yeah. kind of up against it, so we're going to get going yep. here. What do you have coming up this week for us? Um, don't have our guest Monday night. We're we're trying. Ross is trying to hook up with a longtime executive. He's also been a a minor league manager, Shane Turner of the San Francisco Giants, to talk a little bit about this World Series. And and uh, also talk a little bit about his his um, what his take is on Bruce Bochy coming back, you mm-hmm. know, because he worked with Bochy for a long time there in San Francisco. Okay, well, we will certainly look forward. He's an executive with the Giants, you know, so we're we're looking at at doing that. And then Wednesday night, not Thursday, we've got Sarah Ellison uh, to break down the rest of the Ravens season and. Uh, would look suddenly after an impressive second half win, um, and you start to hear that they don't play, they don't play, a, they don't play another losing, a winning team until the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. That's pretty remarkable yeah, right w- now. One yeah. game in the next twenty-three days gives them an the opportunity to get really healthy and make yeah. a nice push yeah. here. They've won two straight. They've been able to hold on to these leads in the fourth quarter. Could be a fun second half of the season for yeah, the Ravens. Yeah, could be. All right, Stan, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by the legendary Mike Boddicker. Plus, Stan and Gary caught up with Concordia Prep football coach Joe Battaglia. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stay tuned as Stan and Ross are back on Monday with another great show. Today's show has been brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season as the fan at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Um, flying by the seat of my pants here. We're going to catch our first break here when we come back. Zach is going to sound off. I'll talk a little bit more about the World Series, and then uh, we will get to, at some point, the payoff pitch around the league and baseball banter. That and more next on the Bataround. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. 
What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox online.com slash bowser the next tyus bowser show is tuesday november 1st at the hamilton sports bar and grill 5506 harford road it's brought to you by maryland vascular specialists and the all-new ginsu kamado grill that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn. Over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today welcome back to the bat around coming to you from our Towson studios on a beautiful Saturday morning here in October Halloween weekend so please be safe out there and check your kids candy you know because there's a lot of creeps out there um 
You just heard uh, Glenn talking about it on the commercials. If you actually sat through the commercials, I just want to remind you that coming soon, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at ginsugrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Come get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse located at the Firefighters Union Hall just west of the stadium at 1202 Ridgely Street. You can stop by, try some food, and enter to win a Ginsu Kamado Ceramic Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. We're back here on the Bat Around. It is now time for Sounding Off with Zach Goodman. Just want to remind you, Sounding Off with Zach Goodman today is brought to you by online sports betting that will be starting in Maryland the next in the next few weeks. PressBox is your source for the best offers and sign-up incentives. Starting now, you can get a $100 pre-registration credit from our friends at FanDuel by going to PressBoxOnline.com offers. The $100 credit is in addition to the new user promo you will get when they go live. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers now to get your $100 uh, your $100 FanDuel pre-registration bonus credit. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Zach, what do you got for us today? Yeah, I think you and, you and Stan already covered it a little bit. But the not fact that... Thunder. No, 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 of course not. But the, the, the fact that Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman are both returning to the team, once again, I, the team meaning the New York Yankees, to me, as someone who covers the Orioles and as someone who, you know, we're all Orioles fans here, that's a very exciting thing because the Orioles are a team that needs to compete in this AL East and they need to figure out how to win. And this is obviously a very, very tough division. You've got the Blue Jays who are, for the foreseeable future, I think going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Sox, they were bad this year. They have a ton of money. They're always going to be good. The Rays... Always good, it seems like. And the Yankees, of course, have been in the playoffs for just about every year I can remember of my lifetime. So this, to me, though, is a good thing because the Yankees, year in, year out, lose in the playoffs. This is something that's happened basically every time they've been in the the playoffs for them since 2009. They won their last World Series, but they haven't been to the World Series since 2009. And, you know, Joe Girardi, we talked about him a little bit before. I thought Joe Girardi, you know, he like you said, he fit into the Yankees culture pretty well. Mm-hmm. I have never felt that Aaron Boone fits the Yankees culture in the same way. I, I thought they hired Aaron Boone in the beginning because of his playoff heroics mm-hmm. in the early 2000s that made him kind of a Yankees icon in a way, which is weird to say because I really don't think of Aaron Boone among the Yankees icons of, you know, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, I couldn't whoever. tell you who, was it the Padres that he played for before the Yankees? I, I believe it was the Padres, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, and I'm and not sure. And his, his brother played too, Brett Boone. Brett Boone was really good. A but better I, player. I, I think he was a steroid he, guy. He definitely was on steroid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, he hit like 50 home runs for the Mariners that one year in the in the middle of the 90s. But Boone has always kind of been around because of these, you know, one for one his brother, but also because of what he did in those playoffs and and how heroic he and was father, for the Bob New York Boone. Yankees and Bob Boone, of course, too. Aaron Boone, I didn't like the hire when it happened, mm-hmm. and Aaron Boone has led them nowhere. I'm yeah. gonna tell you right now. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna go off on Cashman in a second here, but Boone has taken a team that has the MVP this year, John Carlos Stanton. Garrett Cole, Glaber Torres. I mean, I could keep naming guys. Higashioka is one of the best defenders in baseball. This is a talented team year in and year out. Incredibly talented. They, they spend the most money. They're up there every year with the most talented teams, and they never go anywhere. I think there needs to be a culture change, and I think you can tell in the fact that Aaron Judge probably doesn't want to return to the Yankees. It's been made it pretty clear that Aaron Judge wants to leave, and I, I think by all means he's going to do that. So 
I don't like the culture that Boone has as cultivated in New York, and I don't think it's been I don't think it's been the right fit for a few years now. And I, yeah. I've been calling on Aaron Boone to be moved on from for the past few years, but I also think a lot of this is on Cashman too, because Cashman is a guy who's been around on the Yankees for over 20 years. He's been their GM for a very very long time. I think he is the longest standing GM in baseball at this moment, and GM is one of those jobs where I feel you're hired to be fired. Right, well, every, like, every time in baseball, every right. time in sports, you're hired you, to be fired. You're going to be fired eventually. And Brian Cashman just hasn't. He's been around for, he's had over 2,000 wins. The guy's been around <clears> forever. <throat> and yeah, his Yankees teams, they won a World Series in 2009. And he's had some great Yankees teams. But they, again, in this last decade, they've done absolutely nothing. A decade plus, really, 13 years. They've done absolutely nothing. And he continues to pour money into guys like John Carlos Stanton. And John Carlos Stanton's a good player. But he's paying John Carlos Stanton way more than John Carlos Stanton's been worth. He spent more time at the trainer's table than he has on the field. Garrett Cole is being paid a lot more than really the what he's worth, I think, at this point. So, And that that continues to be a trend for, for Brian Cashman. The Yankees front office, if you look at the, the amount of time that the guys at the top have spent compared to a lot of the other teams, like the Houston Astros, or really any of the other playoff teams. It's a big margin. Mm-hmm. They've been there a long time, and they haven't seen success. The Yankees are not in a great spot moving forward for me. They're yeah, just not. I, I don't think they are either. They have a lot of big contracts, and I don't think it's a good idea for them to pay judge. Because you mentioned Giancarlo saying he's not going anywhere for a no, while, no. right? Garrett Cole, you just signed him a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's making $36 million yeah. a year. You're going to pay Judge $40 million a year right. with those other contracts? Right. A guy who in his 20s, his body was breaking down. And and now yeah. in his 30s, your body doesn't get better, Yeah. right? Like, like trust me, I'm 38. Everything <laughs> hurts, right? Yeah, and, but- and I play baseball once a week. Right, you and know, the body, his body isn't going to hold up for the length of that contract, and then you're going to be stuck paying this guy forty million dollars a year while you're paying Stanton thirty million dollars a year while you're paying Cole thirty six million dollars a year. Yeah. It just, as good as Judge is, and as much as he is the Yankees, how do you, how how do you explain that? Especially if right. you never get back to the World Series. And my point here is too that the Yankees consistently get themselves into these really rich contracts for little reason. I mean, look at Aaron Hicks. I didn't even talk about Aaron Hicks, but Aaron Hicks is making oh, over $70 million, and he's not good at all. Yeah, and, they, and again, Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury, another great example of a Brian Cashman investment that he frankly, he barely played for the Yankees. Jacoby Ellsbury played like, I don't even know if he played a full season he, if you combine he, all the games. He, uh, I'm sure he did, but he turned it was one, a lot. one elite season in yeah. Boston. He was a good player in Boston, oh, but he yeah. had that 30 homer season. He yep. turned one elite season in Boston into a huge payday from the Yankees. Yep. That was maybe the worst contract in the history of that franchise. Right, it was awful. And this seems like something they've done play. a lot. They, they've sunk their money into these rich contracts, and they don't really get a lot of depth. You saw in the Yankees. I mean, they they played incredible through the first half of the season. They were incredible, and that's because of the talent they had. I mean, they're they're a very talented team. There's no doubt about that. And Brian Cashman has put talented teams on the field, but you saw the lack of depth once those you know more re- relevant players started going down, and mm-hmm. they you know guys like Oswaldo Peraza had to come up and take you know really relevant players' spots, and they just you, weren't, the, we didn't even mention DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu went down, for, and, and, right. and, he, and he's making twenty five million dollars a year yeah. for them until yeah. his age 37 season right everyone's making a lot of money yeah everyone it's it, it to me they, they need to invest their money a little bit smarter um and mm-hmm. they need to make sure they have depth across the board because i just don't feel like they have it and i i know they're the yankees i know they're the yankees so they're never going to do it but would it be a better move for them to maybe trade some of these contracts to pick up some po- some prospects so yeah. that instead of instead of having to pay 
be, instead of being the Yankees and having to pay six different guys $40 million each, yeah. maybe you actually develop some of your own talent in your farm system. That's a great point. You know, it, but, but which, I mean, I think they have some really solid players in their farm system. I'm not privy to their names at the moment. It's okay. But, but yeah. like, if you want good, where, where did the Yankees falter this year? They didn't have any way to back up when their guys, now most teams don't, right? If, if DJ LeMahieu doesn't, gets hurt, most teams don't have a guy that can replace him and put up the same production. But, it, but mm. you've got Rizzo, you've got Judge, you've got Giancarlo Stanton. Those guys don't generate. Uh, Rizzo, I think, stays healthy for the most part. Yeah. For um, the most part. But, but three guys in Stanton, Judge, and LeMahieu have, a, have an injury history. You're paying them a ton of money. Uh, Luis Severino was in your rotation to barely pitch in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, and Zach Britton's been hurt, and you gave him a lot of money to be a solid yep. uh, back-end reliever for you. Um, Aroldis Chapman's getting a lot of money to, to, to get hurt and then be ineffective, and he's just a scumbag human being. And wouldn't even show up to, to Yankees. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what it was. It was like a team meeting or something, and he didn't show up, and that's why he didn't pitch in the, in the, in the playoffs yeah. at all. It's, maybe they'd be better suited to stop spending so much money. Right. Spend money when they need to and where yeah. they need to to supplement, but maybe trade some of these contracts to get some talent infused back in your system but hey keep running your show keep the, yeah. the, the way that you're doing it keep winning meaningless division titles just to lose in the first round of the playoffs every year I'm I'm good with that too um, although I want the Orioles to win some division titles and I think that they will in the future so look anytime we talk about the Yankees being bad and how they can get better but know that they're not going to do it I'm, I'm here for it so good segment good segment now payoff pitch around the league world series edition uh in what we expected to be a pitchers a pitching duel last night Aaron Nola and Justin Verlander each gave up five runs on six hits uh Nola giving up the two home runs to Kyle Tucker but the Phillies come storming back with a three-run fourth a two-run fifth highlighted by the two-run double by JT Realmuto Nick Castellanos makes a catch of his life to save the game in the bottom of the ninth so that JT Realmuto can play hero again with the game-winning home run in the top of the tenth as the Phillies go on to beat the Astros in game one of the World Series six to five Zach what's on tap for game World Series game two tonight yeah I mean these two guys that are going tonight are are two of the best pitchers on their respective teams. I think Zach Wheeler is the best pitcher on the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got a 1.78 ERA for the Phillies right now in the postseason. Framber Valdez, who's going for the Astros tonight, has a 1.42 ERA in the postseason. These guys have been lighting it up. I mean, Zach Wheeler already has 25 strikeouts in just the two starts. He's been really good. Um, so the Phillies, uh, they are going to be 25 play- strikeouts in two. Oh, starts? it might be a bit more in two starts. I could be wrong. In that. I think that's. I, I think it's three I, starts. I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is three. Um, but the Phillies will play the Astros tonight. 803 in Houston for game two. Like you said, the Phillies have that 1-0 lead, but that pitching matchup is really, I think, the story here, and it probably won't go the way it did last night. It's yeah. probably going to be better. I, I, I'd imagine this to be, I mean, it's it's last night was a tight game. Right, I, I, I mean not, the pitching up right, front. Yeah. But I, I'd expect it to be a little bit lower scoring yeah. of a game uh, tonight for sure. Look, the Phillies, they're playing with house money, man. Yeah. They're, they're up 1-0 in the World Series. It, there, there's they really the way they started this year, the way they finished, uh, they kind of backed in. They should you they yeah. really kind of shouldn't be there, and yet here they are, three wins from the World Series. They win the first game in Houston. If they win, if they find a way to win this game tonight, I think the series is over. I think they yeah. have so much momentum, and then they go home and they play three games in right. Philadelphia. Right. You can't convince me. That they can't find a way to win two of those three games Man, in, yeah. in in yeah. Philly with that crowd, how amped up they are. This is a city that since 1980 
has four professional championships. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Uh, they've won two World Series. They've won one Super Bowl, one NBA championship. This is a team that's starved for championships, a city that's starved for championships. And how raucous that crowd's going to be, knowing how fans are in Philadelphia about their sports teams, it's it's going to be madness. If they go home with a 2-0 lead, mm-hmm. that series is over. Yeah, I, I really have a feeling the Astros tie this one tonight. Yeah. I, I, something tells me they're not going to go down. Because, I mean, look, the Astros came out yesterday, and it looked like that game was going to go their way. And then, you know, it to me... I look at the Astros and I say, Framber Valdez is going tonight. Even though Zach Wheeler is opposing them, I, I have a feeling the Astros are taking home a win. But it's probably going to be another close game because I think you're going to get better starting pitching than we did last night. I think you're going to get both these guys throwing five or six innings of shutout ball. I would, I would really expect that. And look, that, that Astros bullpen is really good. And then you look at their lineup and Jose Altuve, the bats, you know, he started 0 for 25. He's just 4 for 27. Yeah. In this four for thirty-seven in this postseason, but he's four for his last twelve, yeah. and I, I expect him to have a big game tonight. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has been silent as a mouse over the last over these past two series after being the hero of the ALDS. I, I look at those guys to kind of get, get off the schneid here a little bit and start carrying this ball club. And don't be surprised if Alex Bregman hits a big home run tonight. Yeah, you know that that's this is a team with that playoff pedigree. They've been there. They know what it takes to get it done. Yeah. Uh, they've been the uh, now their fourth World Series, but they've only won one of them. Right. Dusty Baker's never won a World Series, and you think that they want to go to Philly down two nothing and not have <sighs> a, a chance for Dusty Baker to win his one of the greatest managers of all time? I think he's got close to two thousand wins. Yeah. Right. He's got over two thousand wins now, if I if I'm correct, and has never won a World Series. This is. A team, they've got resilience, and I expect them to come yeah. back and win this game tonight. But if they don't, I'm telling you, series is over. Well, like you mentioned with the Astros, you made a great point that they're one of those teams that just kind of shows up and wins. And maybe you forget about it because they've been so consistent over mm-hmm. you know the past, since really 2017 on, they've been so consistently good. But I think one of the things that might be glossed over is the fact that this team, like you said, also has that playoff pedigree. These guys have done it before. Most mm-hmm. of the guys on this team have done it before. I mean, Kyle Tucker being you know one of the exemptions here. But, man, this team, they know how to win baseball games. They know. So it's – and they've, they've all been there before. This, to me, that's a really big factor in this. And if they win this game tonight – this game, this series could go a really different way. I think if the Astros come back, come out and do it tonight, I think the series could could be theirs. You know, I I, yeah. I don't want to make my my prediction quite yet. I'll probably make it after tonight. See what happens. Uh, but I I think the Astros are in a really good spot if they end up winning this one tonight. Because again, Jose Altuve, guys like that, Alex Bregman, they're going to break out and show up for their team. Yeah, I'm really confident in that. If the Astros win tonight, there's a good chance the series goes seven games. There's, yeah, there, that there's, could there's a good chance because then you go to Philly for three games. I can see the Phillies winning two of those games, mm-hmm. um, and then you got to come back to Houston. If Houston wins tonight, and then they win game one or, or game three in Philly, it might be Houston series to lose. Right at, at, at right. that point, but it's it's going to be very interesting. I just the Phillies have so much momentum, and they have they right. have the ferocity of an entire city on their shoulders. I, I just think that they have so much momentum that they could pull this out, but it's the Astros. Do you, do you think that the Astros coming into the series without losing a game is a bad thing for them? Like, they've already wasted all of their playoff magic at this point. No. Okay. no they're, 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 they're too steady. Yeah. I mean, six, I agree. six straight I agree. ALCS, four World Series in six years. 
I don't think this team gets too up, and I don't think this team gets too down. I think they 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 go to work. Like I said earlier, they they put their head down and they, they and they go they go to work day in and day out. They post up, so they don't look at this. They they, they look at this adversity and they're just like, all right, been here before. Let's go out and get yeah. it. You know, I I don't think that. I think some teams, like you look at the at the the Baltimore Ravens in 2019, they go 14 and two. They win they win 12 straight. They get that first round by rested a lot of the starters in the last game of the season and still managed to win. And then they lose in the playoffs yeah. because they they didn't know what it felt like to lose right. at that point, and they weren't ready for it when somebody came and punched them in the mouth. Uh, the Astros aren't that team. They've been there. Yeah. They've been here too long. They've been here too long. Uh, moving on to the Orioles. It's hard to believe that we're almost a full four weeks clear of the end of the Orioles season. 83-79, and 79, hugely successful 2022 season that nobody saw coming. Lift off from here. We've mentioned it a dozens of times <laughs> yeah. on this show. When the World Series ends, you got about a week and then free agency starts. Yep. Right? Uh, and we're not that far. Look, it's October is basically over. You're going to have the GM meetings here in a couple of weeks, yep. and then you have the winter meetings in about five, five, six weeks, right? <clears throat> it's liftoff. Yeah. What are we looking at here? The Orioles, their, their main needs in no particular order, they need, a, they need a backup catcher. They probably need another infielder. Uh, they need a big bat for the middle of their order. They need uh, a starter or two. And like a legitimate starter, not somebody that you just bring in who could pitch to a 475 ERA. They need a legitimate frontline starter and they need some bullpen help. So I've put together my wish list uh, by every position. And it doesn't mean I think they need help at every position. Just possibility. Possibilities here for them to sign. We're going to start out with catcher. And I uh, pinpointed Tucker Barnhart. He's a two-time Gold Glove Award winner. Um, not the greatest pitch framer in the world these days. Uh, he's probably, to this point in his career, he, he, he's a starting catcher. But I think yeah. the offense has gotten worse and worse by the year. And I look at him and I say, that's a guy who's got some pop, who's a good defensive catcher. Again, not the greatest pitch framer. But if he's only going to catch 50 games this year, if that, he's not going to catch 50 games. He, he might catch 20, 30 games this year. Uh, he may not be willing to sign on for that, but if the Orioles can get a guy like him to be their backup catcher, and I think he's kind of gotten to the point in his career where that's where what he has to look for. Yeah, uh, Tucker Barnhart would be a great choice in my. I opinion. think that's an excellent fit. Uh, that's not someone I'd really considered, but you look at the numbers this year, and they're not great. But certainly in in 2021, he was a lot better. Hit 241, 317 on base. That's a guy that you can easily stomach as a backup catcher. That's what you mm-hmm. expect that of a backup catcher. You're not going to expect, you know. A 350 on base percentage or something crazy. So these guys are going to be, you know, bad hitters, average defenders. That's probably what he's going to be. So that's a great fit. I like it. Um, now the Orioles did acquire Colesbury and Aramis Garcia yeah. from the Reds, and Aramis Garcia was one of the better pitch framers in baseball this year. Is that a guy who you could see getting a first crack at the at, at the backup job along with Anthony Bemboom? Yeah, if they don't sign anyone, uh, if there's no free agent brought in, or even if there is, it could be a low-profile one, like a minor league guy. 
there's going to be a lot of competition, I think. Mm-hmm. I, ben, ben Boom is certainly someone who will get a good look uh, because he is a really good defender. And all the, the both the guys they claimed off waivers from Cincinnati are going to get a good look. And there will probably be more guys brought in. Cam um, Gallagher. Cam Gallagher is another guy who will get a look. Sure, there's going to be a lot. I, I think it's going to be a pretty open position. Unless a guy like Tucker Barnhart's brought in, I think you've got a pretty clear idea he's going to be the, the backup catcher to Rutschman. Um, but there will be a competition if not. Yeah, now you move to first base, and everybody's talking about how the Orioles need another guy on the roster that can play first base. They, they picked up Jesus Aguilar um, at the at the waiver deadline on August 31st. Didn't provide much no. for them. He had one double, one home run, two RBIs for them in, what, 17 games, something like he that? He was bad. <laughs> it, but he, he was better than he had been previously. He hit 224 with the Orioles. He had six hits in his last 17 at-bats to end the season. I don't know that they bring him back unless it's on a minor league contract and an yeah. invite to spring training. I think if the Orioles bring in another guy to that can play first base, it's going to be that middle-of-the-order bat. Right. I think it's going to be a guy that you're going to DH, but also uh, get, let him spell... Um, Mount Castle first base. And so I look at Jose Abreu or Josh Bell. Jose Abreu, I think, is a better offensive player. Maybe the power sapped a little bit, especially with that wall in left field now, but he's still going to hit for high average. He's going to drive in runs. He can play first base. He's one of seven guys that played a 1,000 innings along with Ryan Mountcastle yeah. at first base this year defensively. That's a big bat that I could see being in the middle of the order, but Josh Bell's 30 years old. He's a switch hitter, which means he's going to be batting primarily from the left side against all the righties that they face, which fits the Orioles' um, MO and what they're trying to do with this ball club to a T. Hits for power, hits for average. He doesn't strike out a ton, gets on base. Josh Bell might be the perfect fit for this team. Again, I don't think they're bringing in another guy that can play first base unless it's a middle-of-the-order bat to DH and spell Mountcastle. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, my gut tells me Josh Bell will not end up in Baltimore. I don't yeah, know probably what, what it is, but I, I actually would say Abreu is probably more likely. I, I think Abreu might be the the better fit for me. I don't know. Abreu is definitely going to have a lot of offers. Um, he's going to be a guy who's going to be one of the top free agents in this class, and I, I think the White Sox will have a great chance of bringing him back, too. I've said all along that Bray really is the perfect fit for me. Mm-hmm. I think he's actually a better fit than, than Josh Bell because I think he's simply a better player. That's my opinion. I think he's a better player. I uh, watch Josh Bell in the spotlight in the playoffs, and he did not impress me. Yeah, not impress me. Josh Bell has always had a bit of a weird swing. He's not a great defender over at first. I don't know how much they care about that if Malcastle's <laughs> playing most days there, but... I, yeah, I feel like Abreu's the better fit. I feel like he's the better player, and he's a guy who has that pedigree. I mean, he's been around for a long time now. Um, he's 35 years old. So I, I really do like Abreu, and I think the fit's good. Yeah, I, I think it's a good fit, too. It's just a matter of if he, towards in the twilight of his career, he's 36 years old now. Mm-hmm. If he wants to sign in a place where the power sapped already, it's going to yeah. completely sap his power unless he starts going oppo for a lot of home runs. Right. Uh, second base, there's nobody really worth signing on the free agent market. I think that the Orioles are going to go stay in-house Ramona for a second. Rios. Probably Ramona Rios to start, and then I could see Jordan Westberg mm-hmm. or... Um, Connor Norby sure. taking over or at even some Ortiz. point. Or even Ortiz. But I think if Ortiz is up, they want him playing shortstop. Um, and I could see him starting at shortstop over Jorge Mateo uh, it went, uh, by at some point in this season, which takes us to shortstop. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, in that order is my wish list for shortstop. Uh, I think Trey Turner might be the best free agent not named Aaron Judge uh, on the position player market. Rumors are that he wants to go come back east. Um, but he did say he's willing to look at all teams now. Mm. Come back east, I don't know that that means the Orioles. He may be too pricey, um, but I think he'd be the perfect player for this team. 
Yeah, Trey Turner, I, I look at the Mets, and I see a great fit there. I said that last week as well. I, I think Trey Turner is going to go to a really high-profile team. I do mm-hmm. not see him coming to Baltimore. I feel like out of the three of those guys, you know, Carlos Correa obviously has the Michael Elias connection. We've heard so much about Carlos Correa over the past two years about mm-hmm. him coming to Baltimore. It's been a pretty big topic. But Dansby Swanson's the guy I look at, and I keep thinking that's a great fit too. Dansby Swanson, you know, kind of an under-the-radar guy who... I don't know why, because he plays for the World Series, reigning World Series champs, but he's a guy who's consistently been really good over his career. He's an mm-hmm. above-average defender, a lot of pop. Really, and he's, getting, he's coming into his own now. Yeah, and could be a three-hitter for this team. Absolutely. If you look at him, he's a five-war player this year. This guy's an all-around really good player, and I think he's a better investment out of the three of those guys because he's going to cost a little bit less. But I, I think I may agree with Stan here that they I, I don't know that they target shortstop because I, think, I, I do think that they like what they have in the house and do not be surprised to see Joey Ortiz get a shot I don't think in, he's in, the guy. in, in spring training I, I he'll get the shot but I, I just don't think he's gonna I, hit after he was a, a full year removed from that injury they couldn't get him out at double a or triple a and eh. the defense has been major league ready for over a year now it, the, I I would I think I think he would be a better offensive player than Jorge Mateo and give you similar defense I he's gonna hit for less power than Mateo, but he may have a better on base percentage. I think he'll hit for higher average and better on base percentage. And I think he's got sneaky power. I think uh, he's got sneaky power. It's gonna be a tough time for a, for a right handed hitter. It's gonna be a bad time. I I'm not big on Ortiz. I don't really believe in the bat. I've seen Ortiz a lot uh, throughout the minors. I you know when I worked at Aberdeen and everything, I saw him a ton there, and I never really liked the bat. You're you're right that he's taken a bit of a step forward and he's gotten better. I, I don't see the power playing at Camden Yards, especially with the way that I, the fact that he's a right-handed hitter. Yeah, I just, you know, depending on who you have in the rest of your lineup, you might not need his power. And if you're going to bat him ninth and play, play him in shortstop, I think he's a better offensive option than Jorge Mateo. And if they're not going to pick up a legitimate shortstop on the free agent market or trade for one, then you can do a whole hell of a lot worse than Joey Ortiz giving you good defense and a better bat than Mateo. Um, I, I just Mateo has either a guy that you trade and another team hopes they can make him a better offensive player, so he's got that written all over him, or super utility. He's got super utility written all over his face. Uh, third base, I don't have anybody that I think is worth signing. No. Um, left field, Andrew ben- Benintendi is like a sneaky guy that could be a, could be a nice role player for the Orioles. Plays good defense, gets on base. He'll hit for some power with that short porch in right field. Um, I think that he's a, a huge upgrade, in my opinion, over Austin Hayes. Um, I think that's I a good fit. Center field, we talked about it, especially if Mullins gets, gets traded. I think Brendan Nimmo is the perfect guy to go after here. Um, and, and Stan may be right. He may get a lot of money, but I don't know that he's going to get more than 15 to $18 million on the open market per seat, uh, for the average annual value. And I look at that for Brandon Nimmo, and I think that that's worth it. The defense that he's going to play, the batting average, the on-base percentage, the extra base capabilities that he has. And he doesn't steal a lot of bases, but he's got decent speed. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, if they, especially if they trade Cedric Mullins, I think is a great fit here. Uh, in right field, obviously Aaron Judge um, or Mitch Haniger. I didn't realize how good of a hitter Mitch Haniger actually oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I always thought that he was kind of like a big time. I, I kind of put him in the same light as um, what? What's the guy's name? His brother plays in Texas. What? Seager. Kyle Seager. Oh, okay. I, I look at him. I, I kind of thought of him as Kyle Seager. Um, two thirty to two forty five hitter. That's gonna hit thirty home runs. Yeah. Um, but he's actually like more like a two seventy five hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's gonna hit. That can hit 
he had 39 home runs in 2021. That's that's a guy who has a big bat. If he can stay healthy, that's a decent guy that you can uh, bring in and have him play right field and DH for you a little bit. Uh, Aaron Judge is a pipe dream. I'm I've been talking about him for about four, to it, man. for about four months. But let's let's be realistic here. I don't think he's re-signing with the Yankees. I think that when they look at it, that's just too much money. Um, I think he ends up in San Francisco. Agreed. I really do. I think he ends up in San Francisco. Um, DH, J.D. Martinez, or Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley is an elite hitter, but he can't stay healthy. Right. If you can DH him and he can stay healthy, uh, he can put the bat on the ball, be a solid number two hitter for you and and let you move um, (coughs) Rutschman and Henderson in the more run-producing roles uh, in the lineup. I really like Michael Brantley, but you got to keep him on the field. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Martinez, the power sapped, but I think he's still... um, He's still a productive major league hitter, and with the opposite field power, that wall doesn't really come into into play for him. Maybe a change of scenery is what he needs where he can kind of be the guy that you you bat fourth, and even though he's not going to hit 40 home runs anymore, he can just kind of come in here and just be that guy. Uh, for them, your, your thoughts on JD Martinez and Michael Brantley? Well, huge fan of both those guys. Yeah. They're two of my favorite players in baseball because their bat to ball skills, the way they put the bat to the ball, is is top tier, and they're going to put the ball in play a ton. They're going to get on base a lot. Big fan of both these guys, and I think both of them could bring the same veteran presence that Carlos Beltran brought that 2017 mm-hmm. Astros team. I think that's really important to bring in someone with that pedigree. Who's, again, a guy who's been there before. They're both World Series champions. I I really think that would be either of them are great fits. J.D. Martinez is a better player at this point in his career. I think J.D. Martinez is better, and he's healthier. And he's only a year removed from a 28-homer, 99-RBI yes, season. Yeah, right. right. I, I think Martinez is going to cost you more, too, though. I, I Brantley, Brantley fits really well. Brantley's another yeah. guy that I, I look at and, and I say, at, that, that's an Oriole. He's that left-handed bat, and he, but, and he yeah. sprays all over the field. And if you're going to sign a right-handed player, J.D. Martinez is probably the right guy because he yeah. he, he yeah. has a left-handed hitter profile. He does go up a lot. He, he goes, the majority of his home runs are to right field, yeah. center field and right field. So if you bring him in, you don't really have to worry about that wall. He's like the one right-handed guy that you bring in, and you're like, okay, right. we, can, we, can, we can move forward with this. Uh, I look at the starting pitching market. Um, look, the big names out there are Verlander, if he opts out, Jacob DeGrom, Carlos, uh, Carlos Clayton Kershaw. I, Verlander and Kershaw aren't coming here. I, I think you look at Kershaw, it's either Texas or the Dodgers, and I think that really there's too much value in playing with one team your whole career. I think Kershaw finishes his career with with the Dodgers. And Verlander, if he's not pitching for the for the Astros, I don't think he pitches anywhere else, unless it's the Yankees. But uh, I, So they're not really on my wish list. DeGrom's not on my wish list because as good as he is, he's made 26 starts the last two years. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't trust him to stay healthy and I don't want to pay a guy thirty to forty million dollars a year to make twelve starts. Do you buy the Degrom report that came out last night? Do you what buy that? The, the, the the Orioles are a sleeper for him? Yeah, maybe. Well, I, I wouldn't even say he called him a sleeper. He said they're going to be a a player. I guess is the word he used. Who said this? Uh, this was a Mets reporter. I don't know if there's a ton of. He's not one of the bigger guys. He's not like an athletic guy or something where you're going to really say straight up that I'd seen this guy break stories before. Mm-hmm. But here, let me pull it up. It is... Raul Ramos. Not Raul Ramos, no. Um, it is Rob Pearsall, and he works for uh, Mets Legends. He's a contributor to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. Um, kind of like a, kind of like a Todd Karpovich. Sure, we'll call him that. He is okay. verified on Twitter, though. Yeah, yeah, so it's Todd. 
Yeah. Right. So I'm um, just saying that yeah, yeah. there is validity behind, I guess, something. He said a source told him that. The, so the, the Orioles are going to be in the in the. He said, I'm, he said, I'm hearing the Baltimore Orioles could be one team in on Jacob DeGrom this winter. Okay. That's what he said. Look, if, if they're going to go out and spend money on DeGrom, I don't... <sighs> Nobody's going to be upset, let's be uh, honest. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'll be like, okay, DeGrom, that's legitimate. Yeah. But is he going to stay on the field, man? Is he going to stay on the field? Yeah, I mean, the if, same, if, same if, question with Aaron Judge. If though. you're going to pay him thirty to forty million dollars a year, and he gives you thirty starts, hell yes, mm-hmm. sign me up for that in blood. <laughs> okay, I don't trust that he's going to make more than fifteen starts for you. I I, I can't trust that. Okay, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I look at Chris Bassett. I think that's a great great a thing. great option. Aaron Nola, despite his struggles recently in the postseason, yeah, uh, he he's he's totally not. I think he's going to be too costly though. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to yeah. cost. I mean, if DeGrom's not too costly. Yeah, true. Uh, Nathan Navaldi is a guy who I... He's dominated the Orioles. He's a good pitcher. Had a down year. He was hurt this year. Nathan Navaldi is a sneaky guy that I think could be a nice fit for the Orioles. Uh, Sean Manaya is another good option for them. And then Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, to me, is a guy that if you bring him in and he gives you 25 to 30 starts uh, as a number four or number five, yep. that's, that's a solid pitcher that you can pick up and not have to spend 22 to $32 million a year on. Um, thoughts on Syndergaard, Bassett, on all those guys I just mentioned. I really like the Bassett fit. I think that's an excellent fit. He, he's been, you know, w- before he was with the Mets, he was with Oakland, um, which is somewhat similar of an environment to Baltimore, I guess you could say, in, mm-hmm. in the way the, the market is there. Um, so he's pitched for a team somewhat similar to the Orioles before, and, you know, he's been in the spotlight with the Mets now, but I think that's a really good fit. Um, Noah Syndergaard. I think the Phillies are going to want him back. I think mm-hmm. they're going to make a good push for him. Um, same with Aaron Nola. I think he fits in that category as well. I think the Phillies will end up retaining Aaron Nola. I, I'm, I would I'm, imagine. I'm so. pretty confident, especially the fact that he's you know with a World Series team at the moment. Um, Evaldi, Sean Mania, both of those guys, they've had their they've had their moments. Um, I definitely I would say I'm a bigger Evaldi fan. I mean, guy throws like a 99 mile an hour fastball when he's on. He's got a pretty good curveball. He can paint. Yeah, he can, he can paint. Um, Sean Mania, I wouldn't say I'm too interested, but I mean, again, he's a middle of the rotation starter. If you if you do go out and get him, um, but I would say Chris Bassett to me out of all these guys is by far your your most realistic and best option. Sure. And then relief pitching, we gotta do this quickly because we gotta catch a break before we get Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer on um, relief pitching. Rafael Montero, Adam Otavino, David Robertson, the the latter two, Otavino and Robertson, down years for a couple of years, but then they were really good, really nice bounce back seasons for them this year and I think with this in the right role with this pitching development and the the pitching coach and staff that we have in Baltimore I think those guys could be good veteran fits in a bullpen Montero just really really good this year yeah no doubt I I think all these guys could be fits I think they will be looking to to make a relief upgrade um especially down the stretch we start, started to see some of those guys especially some of the work start the show right I mean they, they started to also get overused so I think mm-hmm. they're definitely going to go after a guy I've always loved that amount of you know the arm you know the arm slot there um the slider that he has is pretty devastating when it's on I would say out of Vino out of the three guys would be the guy I go after because he is going to come a little cheaper based on the fact that he's had a few down years now sure sure uh good segment man um but this is all going to start becoming more real, probably maybe starting with our next show. Uh, if not that show, certainly the show two weeks from now. Um, so stay tuned for that here on the Bat Around. We have to catch a break. Today's show brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? 
Located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted micro brews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have a free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. So go to GuilfordHall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Got to catch a break when we come back from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Scott Lauber will be on next on the Bat Around. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to GuilfordHall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410 887 5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today all right welcome back into the bat around today's show brought to you by the toyota tacoma which comes in a range of models and trim lines you can choose a perfect tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today Joining us now from the Philadelphia Inquirer, he covers the Philadelphia Phillies. He is Scott Lauber. Scott, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us here on the Bat Around. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing very well, very well. Uh, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a Phillies fan. My stepdad and my two co-best men from my wedding are all from Philly. So uh, I have a rooting interest. I'm a big Bryce Harper guy. Um Phillies, they win 6-5 to five in 10 innings in Game 1. Trailed 5 nothing after 3 innings. Stormed back with 3 in the 4th, 2 in the 5th. Uh, the 2 coming on the JT Rail Muto. Game-tying 2-run double, and then he hits the game-winning home run in the 10th. Not to mention Nick Castellanos' huge game-saving catch in the bottom of the ninth. How magical, including last night, has this postseason run been for the Philadelphia Phillies? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. Um, you, you know, I, I think there's kind of... This World Series, for me at least, has a bit of a full circle feeling to it because the Phillies ended their season here in Houston. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they played the last three games of the year here. They clinched in the third to last game. They clinched a playoff spot. And then, um, you know, kind of got them, you know, kind of got themselves a little bit of a rest the following day and then played the final game of the season. And I remember very clearly uh, leaving for the airport after that series and not having any idea in my mind that I'd be coming back to Houston. Um, it wasn't so much that I didn't think the Phillies would do anything uh, in, in the postseason. It was that I, I, did, I just didn't imagine them being in the World Series. I right. mean, they were making the playoffs for the first time in in, uh, in, in 11 years. And uh, the way they finished the season, um, you, you know, if not for the expanded playoffs and the extra wild card, they're not even in the postseason tournament this year. Um, but really, everything that's happened in October has turned up uh, in their in their favor. Um, you know, right from game one uh, in St. Louis when they came back with six runs in the ninth and won that game, and I think it's just kind of built on, on itself from there. So it's been pretty magical. It's been pretty unexpected. Uh, they're playing great, uh, really, in, in every aspect of the game, and so and they have now for for three and a half, four weeks. Um, I, I've thought all along, and I've said this to a lot of people and written this a lot in the Inquirer, that uh, the Phillies are the type of team and have been for a while, for several years now, where you know the challenge is the 162 games because mm-hmm. they haven't had the deepest rosters. They haven't had the best farm system. They haven't had the infrastructure in place to survive a 162-game season and make the playoffs. But they have the kind of roster... And, and all of those things, I should say, are, um, are, are much improved this year, which is why they were able to do that uh, and getting better. But they've been the kind of team for a few years where you look at their roster and you look at the, the top of their roster in particular, 
with Harper and Romuto and Hoskins and Nola and Wheeler. And these are star players that any team would take at the top of its roster. Mm -hmm. And you say to yourself, well, if they could only get in, they could do some damage because of the, the high end starting pitching that they have. And the fact that the postseason is about stars and their stars have starred Um, Schwarber, add him to that list, Castellanos, uh, their stars have been, have been really good. And so they're, they're a postseason team and, and they're doing the kinds of things that postseason teams do. Yeah, and no star brighter than Bryce Harper. Uh, you look at this guy, uh, he was, a, he was a, a Washington National, made a big name for himself there, winning an NL MVP, became one of the best on-base guys in the game. He signs, in my opinion, under market value for a player of his caliber. 13 years, $330 million, no opt-outs, because he just wanted the stability of being in one place for the rest of his career. Right, this is a guy who's now a seven-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, two-time MVP, and NLCS MVP now. Hits the biggest home run of his entire career, and arguably the biggest home run in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, in Game 5 of that NLCS, bottom of the eighth, two outs, tying run on base. He hits a two-run homer to take a, turn a 3-2 deficit into a 4-3 victory. We know it's the biggest home run of his career. Is that the biggest home run in Phillies history, and how special was that moment? I mean, it's it's up there. It's probably in the top two or three, and you could very easily make the argument it's number one. Um, it uh, put them in the World Series. It brought them back from a deficit at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was it was enormous. And uh, you know, I, I mean, look, I'm not old enough to have seen Dick Sisler's uh, you know home run in 1950 that put them in the World Series mm. or. You know, I was there when Matt Stairs hit his home run in, in 08 in the NLCS. I guess you put Harper's above that because it was a clinching game, but that certainly was, was as, as big a home run uh, as there is in Philly's history. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's up there, and it might be number one, but it's definitely in the conversation. And um, It's been his month. It's been his postseason. Uh, and what's super interesting about it is that he didn't have a good finish to the season. Mm-hmm. You know, he came back from the broken thumb, and he was really kind of, kind of kind of struggling he was really kind of feeling for his timing at the plate he kept telling me over and over again you know I'm 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 slow on fastballs and I'm too out front on on breaking stuff and I'm kind of stuck in the middle and I don't feel like myself and I need more at bats and um you know there was no guarantee that he was going to find that timing uh, before the postseason ended for the Phillies or before the season ended whenever that was was going to be and um you know I, I think the biggest swing he he took um uh, was game two in St. Louis. He stayed back on a breaking ball from Miles Michaelis, hit it into the bullpen, first at-bat of the game, second inning. Uh, and really, from there, he's just been a superman. You know, he has been. He's he's hitting 400. He's got five home runs. Um, they've been big home runs. Um, they've, uh, you know, he's gotten big hits. I mean, think back to game four against the Padres and the double that puts them ahead. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes crazy at second base, you know, talking about his house and whatnot. So, I mean, it's been it's been his month without a doubt. And um, if they can finish it off and win the World Series, I think we'll talk about this month um, and this postseason for Bryce Harper as one of the better individual postseasons that anyone's ever had. And you mentioned him kind of going crazy at second base after that double against the Padres. And I look at the home run that he hit to clinch them going to the World Series and you watch him round the bases, and he rounds the bases so calmly. He crosses home plate. He's not 
overly exuberant. He says something to the camera. He goes and celebrates with his teammates, but there's no chest puffing, no no fist pounding. He looked like a guy who realized the enormity of the moment. And instead of making it about himself, he made it about the Phillies and their fans. He almost looked overwhelmed by what he had just done. Like he understood what he did, but there was no huge celebration. It was like, holy crap, I just did that. Yeah, and I think he actually did say that to somebody in the dugout. I'm trying to think now who it was, if it was JT Realmuto. Somebody said that that they got back in the dugout and Harper said, did I just do that or, or I just did that or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a famous famous moment in Philly's recent Phillies history, game four of the divisional series in 09, in 09 against the Rockies where they're behind late and Ryan Howard says, is at the bat rack and he's due to bat like, I forget what, what it was, fifth or sixth that inning, and he says, just get me to the plate, boys. And they get him to the plate, and he gets a big hit, and they win the game. And this kind of had that feeling to me. Like, he comes up the steps, and he says, says to Kevin Long, the hitting coach, and I think Real Muto overheard it as well. He said, you know, let's do something they remember. Mm-hmm. And that line is going to go down with get me to the plate, boys. as like just a, a, a superstar hitter, slugger, at the top of his game, feeling as confident as could be that if he could get to the plate and do something, or if he could get there, he could do something special. And, you know, I, I, Nick Castellanos contrasted that. This was really, really interesting. He contrasted the whole, what you're talking about, Harper's reaction to the whole thing with uh, a grand slam that Harper hit in 2019 at Citizens Bank Park against the Cubs. Castellanos was with the Cubs. And it's, you know, it was his biggest hit as a Philly to that point in his first season as a Philly and he hits this like second deck grand slam and goes absolutely berserk mm-hmm. around the bases. And he runs the bases like he's sprinting and he's, he's, you know, he's yelling the whole time. And, you know, it was a walk-off homer. And so, of course, there's certain emotion that goes with that. But I, I do think that your point is well taken, that he was, he was in complete control of everything in that moment, from the swing to the reaction to everything else. And it speaks to, I think, just what he's going through this month and how confident he is and how under control and, and just absolutely just in command he is of everything he's doing. And, and that's a special player on a special stage. Yeah. The reaction just added to the beauty of the moment. It's a moment that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. It, it was absolutely incredible. Um, also incredible has been the Philly starting rotation this postseason. You look at how good the offense has been. It seemed like every home run that they've hit has been huge. Well, every start has been one good one after the other, with the exception of Aaron Nolan. Aaron Nola, excuse me, who has gotten knocked around in each of his last two starts. He's arguably their best pitcher. He posts up 30 starts a, a year, pitches very, very well. But the last two outings has not, have not been good for him. Have you noticed anything different about him the last couple of outings is maybe the moment getting too big for him or is this just a situation where he happened to have a bad day under the brightest of lights yeah I mean so like obviously Zach Wheeler has been has been lights out the entire postseason and he's their ace and he's their best best guy and he's on the mound tonight in game two and they have the ultimate amount of confidence in Wheeler they're 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 um they're sort of their their formula all along has been you know, Wheeler, Nola at the top of the rotation, if they could line up their rotation in, in a way to get those two guys pitching the first two games, they think they can win any series. Mm-hmm. And that was the case, really, in St. Louis. I mean, they went 
They went Wheeler Nola sweep. That was the case against Atlanta. They, you know, even though Wheeler lost the game two start, he pitched really well. Uh, Nola pitched really well in game three. Nola didn't pitch as well in, in San Diego in game two in the NLCS and obviously did not pitch as well last night in the first game of the World Series. I don't think that there's anything uh, that stands out in terms of like, you know, well, this is happening or this is not happening. I don't think the moment has gotten too big for him. That was a bugaboo for him really up until this year because people would point to September and they'd say like Aaron Nola fades in September and the Phillies fade in September and, you know, Nola's not a big game pitcher and whatnot. He pitched the clinch game of the uh, in Houston on October 3rd to get them in the playoffs. And then, as I mentioned, pitched great in St. Louis, pitched great in Atl- against Atlanta. So he kind of chased that ghost away. And I just think the last couple of starts have been, you know, a case of not hitting his spots and not locating as well. I didn't actually get a chance to talk to him last night because of everything else that was going on and that happened in that game. He was kind of a footnote as it turned out to that game, but I'd be, I'd be interested in talking to him today and I'm going to try to do that about, you know, because he's probably going to pitch again in this series about, you know, what went on last night early in that game. But look, Aaron Nola is not a guy who, you know, can miss his location and still get away with it most of the Mm -hmm. time because he doesn't throw 97 like Wheeler or 98 and he throws more 94 and if he misses, he's going to get hit. And I think from where I sat and when I look back at the two Tucker home runs last night, that was a case of just a pitch that maybe came back over the plate or a location that was missed. So I think the margin for error for Nola is slimmer. What I would say is this, that in the first half of the postseason, I agree with you that their starting rotation had been really, really good and they were getting great starts from both Wheeler and Nola and really riding their starters. I think lately they've ridden their bullpen and they've ridden Rob Thompson because he's made every move with that bullpen and every move has been the right one. I'll admit, sitting there last night in the fifth inning, he goes to Jose Alvarado and I'm thinking like, you know, is this, you know, is this a, a first-time World Series manager who's getting a little bit desperate in this first World Series game? Because it's only game one and you're going to the back of your bullpen in the middle of the game. And, you know, everything Rob Thompson's done for several months now has 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 been the right move and, and it was the right move to go to Alvarado to shut off that inning and get uh, Jordan Alvarez. And it was the right move to go to Ranger Suarez, his game three starter in the seventh inning to get Alvarez, uh, 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 Jordan Alvarez and, um, and Tucker, Kyle Tucker. So, you know, Rob Thompson managed the game of his life last night. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I think the work of the bullpen and the guts of the manager uh, were kind of the pitching story for them last night. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Rob Thompson. Uh, I didn't know if we'd have a chance to get to him, but look, Joe Girardi fired 51 games into the season, despite the fact that they won the day that he got fired. Uh, 22-29 and record. Rob Thompson takes over. They win another eight straight after that, 15-17 overall, and never really look back. I think they had the third-best record in baseball from the day Joe Girardi got fired moving forward. Thompson rewarded by having the interim tag removed and being extended for two years. How much of the success of this team uh, was due to the changing of the manager, or was it more so a roster that needed the wake-up call of their poor play getting a manager fired? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a combination of things, and you, you hit on, on two of them there. Um, you know, if you if you look um, at the timing of it all, um, they were 22-29. and 29. They played a really tough schedule in May. They had a very soft schedule coming up in June. So Dave Dombrowski knew what he was doing when he decided to do this on June 3rd. You know, I think he thought that, I know he thought that changing the manager would be kind of like taking a defibrillator 
you know, to the clubhouse. Like mm-hmm. it would shock the system because that's what happens when, you know, you know, everyone's, you know, they're all human beings. And um, regardless of what anybody, um, how, how anybody thought things were going, you know, you never want to see somebody lose their job. So I think he thought, okay, we'll take a defibrillator to the clubhouse. We'll sort of shock the system by changing the manager. And also we have this soft schedule coming up so we can make some, make up some ground that way as well. And it did, it served those dual purposes. But the thing about Rob Thompson, that's been unbelievable to watch is that he's been here a while. He was the bench coach under Gabe Kapler. Uh, He's been here since 2018. He's an even steady, calm, just sort of like, you know, absolutely nothing bothers the guy kind of guy. And if you watch these, if you watch these uh, these press conferences in the playoffs, it's almost like he speaks in a monotone. It's almost like he's, you know, you could almost fall asleep listening to him sometimes. But, you know, I think the players have sort of taken on that personality. And you see that when when they get down five runs in game one of the World Series and they kind of look at one another and are like, okay, let's just come back. You know, like it's not, there's never any panic. There's never any, like, drama. There's never any big deal. They think they can handle any situation. And it comes from the manager. And I'll tell you a quick story. He has this way of disarming people and players in mm. particular and, and sort of taking the pressure off in various situations. And so Alec Bohm is the young third baseman. And midway through the season with Harper out with a, with a broken thumb, they wanted to move Bohm up to third in the order. He, he really struggled you know, last year and, and a little bit early this year, but he was swinging the bat well. And so Thompson goes to him on the – team playing they were going from one city to another and Thompson goes to him and he says hey I got a question for you um are you scared of hitting third and Mm -hmm. Bohm looks at him like he's crazy like what are you talking about and he goes if I bat you third would you be scared and he kind of makes him laugh and Bohm's like no of course not if you want me to hit third I'll hit third and you know so like it was taking a a situation that you know could have been could have put, you know, could have put pressure on the guy to bat him in a, in a higher spot in the order, in the Harper spot. Uh, and instead, he just sort of takes that and it just, you know, he turns it into a situation where they can laugh over it. I've seen him go up to Nick Maton. Nick Maton's the utility infielder who was playing the outfield a lot late in the season when Nick Castellanos was hurt. I saw him go up to him one day in San Francisco and say, you're playing right field tomorrow. Try not to screw it up. <laughs> you know, and it makes Maton laugh. And, and it kind of, you know, so that's Rob Thompson in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I think he's just very steady, very calm, and he's been exactly what this particular group has needed. Yeah, it's it's been remarkable to see the turnaround they've had, and now they're just three wins away from a World Series championship. They go to Houston. They win game one in remarkable fashion. Um, kind of, They've been playing with house money all postseason, Scott, and now you look at it, a split was really what you're hoping for in Houston before you head back to Philly for three games. If they can find a way to win today to go up 2-0 and they have their ace in Wheeler on the mound, does this series make it back to Houston? Um, you know, it's hard to say no to that because obviously, you know, the Astros won 106 games and mm-hmm. they're, a, they're, a, they're a terrific team. So yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I'd be surprised if it's a super short series. I, I think it's going to be, uh, I, I, think, I think it's going to come back, but who knows? I mean, I thought it would go back to Atlanta. I thought it would go back to San Diego. And the Phillies wrapped up those series before um, it had a chance to get there. Yeah, they, they seem like the, they seem to be the ultimate team of destiny. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not I'm not betting against them. That's for damn sure. Uh, Scott, before we let you go, what can we plug for you? What do you got coming up? Oh, just more World Series coverage, you know. Um, and 
and just, uh, you know, everything at, uh, you know, everything at Inquirer.com and stuff like that. We'll have full coverage of the World Series. Excellent. Scott, thank you for taking some time for us. Great talking with you. Enjoy the rest sure. of the World Series. Have a great offseason as well. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Take care. That was Scott Lauber, the beat writer for the Philadelphia Phillies, for the Philadelphia Inquirer, taking about 20 minutes for us today to talk about the Phillies, Bryce Harper, and their magical postseason run. I want to remind you that the Bat Around is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, and the next Tyus Bowser Show is this Tuesday, November 1st, at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. That's at 5506 Harford Road. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn, and this is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia and is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser Show, don't worry. You can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. When we come back in, the better round and take to rake to wrap things up here on The Batter Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Bat Around. It's time for the Bet Around, which is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, the better round uh, again brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our twenty four seven kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Uh, for the better round today. I'm looking at two things. The I'm taking the under uh, on seven runs at minus one ten. I look at you got yeah. Zach Wheeler going up against Framber Valdez. I think it's going to be the exact opposite of yesterday. Totally agree. I think you're getting at least six innings out of both of these guys, yeah. and I think that they're each going to give up one to two runs. Um, I look at the pitchers yeah. duel today, uh, so I'm taking the under on seven runs at minus one ten, and I'm also taking Alex Bregman. At plus 500 to hit a home run. He's had a good postseason. He's hitting 320, 324 with uh, two home runs, seven RBIs in this postseason. The Astros are down 1-0. They don't want to go down 2-0 at home. Bregman is a huge yeah. clutch performer when it comes to the postseason. I look for him to hit a home run to kind of ignite a little bit of um, a little bit of a offensive display for the Astros. Again, taking the under at minus seven, but I think that the Astros. Um, uh, I think that the Astros will score maybe four runs, maybe win this game four to sure. three, and it'll be highlighted by a big Bregman home run at some point in the game. I have a feeling that whoever the last team is to score wins this game because it is going to be, I, I really believe that that both uh, of the starting pitchers tonight are going to go out there and give them six innings. And, you know, whether it's one or two runs they give up, I don't think they're going to give up a lot. So it, it is going to be a tight game. Um, and I think it's going to come down to who scores in the end. And I, I think the the eighth or ninth inning are going to be really interesting. But of course, you know, guys like Alex Bregman, always a great bet because he, he has that playoff pedigree. Altuve, you know, kind of just waiting for him to get hot. So those are guys that for sure are, are great bets for tonight. Yeah, and Altuve, four for his last 12 after starting the postseason, 0 for 25. That's a good bet to um, to have a nice World Series. Zach is going to tell us about the latest edition of Press Box, uh, of the Press Box Print Edition, uh, and that is what is 
That's what Take Drake is brought to you by, the latest edition of the Pressbox print issue. The latest edition of Pressbox, it's available now. On the cover, new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also inside, we introduced you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area, and Bo Smolka profiles Ravens receiver Devin Duvernay. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right. Thank you very much for that, Zach. It is now time for Take to Rake, and I believe this is the final Take to Rake of the season. And I want to say it was a tight one this week. Uh, This one was a tight one. Um, I took Jose Altuve and Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, Altuve went four for 14 with a double, a walk, um, I think he also struck out four times. Yeah. Uh, four for 14, that's a 286 batting average for you math whizzes at home. Bryce <laughs> Harper, on the other hand, he went six for 12. He had two doubles, that big home run to, to push the Phillies into the World Series. Yeah. He drove in four. He had the one walk and just the two strikeouts. Um, so those are pretty good numbers yeah, for me. Now, now, you took Alex Bregman, who yeah. went... Four for 12. Um, he had two doubles, an RBI, a walk, and a strikeout. And then I look at Manny Machado, who you yeah. took. Well, and, didn't, play, didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, he did not play a whole lot. He, I think he did get two games in. I believe he got two games in as opposed to the three for the rest of the guys. Um, this was the one that I was hoping I was going to be able to figure out while you were doing that live read, and I didn't get it. Should have picked a Philly. Yeah. Um, but Machado, he went two for eight. He had um, one home run, he had one RBI, and he no walks and three strikeouts in those two yep. games. So Bregman, four for 12, um, with a double, with two doubles, an RBI, a walk, and a K. Machado, two for eight, with one double, um, one RBI, uh, no walks, and three Ks. So combined, they ended up going, what, what is that, six for 20? They went six for 20, um, yep. four strikeouts. Harper and Altuve combined to go, uh, I believe it was 10 for 22? No, 10 for 24. 10 for 24. I think I won. Slightly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I won. You having you having Manny Machado. Yeah, um, it hurt me a little bit. Really, really hurt. Yeah. Really hurt. So this week, we're each just going to pick one guy. Okay. Because uh, we're in the World Series now. I can't take Harper or Altuve. You can't take Alex Bregman. Right. Um... Huh. Who am I going to take? I don't want to take Schwarber. I just think he <laughs> strikes out too much. Yeah. I'm going to take JT Realmuto. Okay. Uh, he that's had a great he, pick. He, he had like a, big, a big game one, yeah. and I think that that's a guy who, along with Harper, can carry a team. It would be Bryce yeah. Harper for me if I could take him again. Well, I, I was about to say, I mean, yeah. is there any question who I'm taking right here? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Is okay, so we're, we're both taking Phillies players for take yeah. to rake. Uh, we will certainly see... How it goes. Let me just note that in our um, show notes for next week. This is the final um, take to rake. Even if they play two games next weekend, it's just it's not worth it. Right. You know what I mean. So we'll just we'll just do it here. Um, Paul takes Real Muto, which we got to also figure out what the final standings are. Um, I well, keep saying I'm going to do it. Well, I think it's probably a better idea to do it at the end of the season, so we can just finally wrap it up and then get it all. Yeah, uh, I, I, I we'll, think we'll figure that out. I've had a really good postseason. Yeah, you have. Run, you have. Um, but you were 
dominant for a stretch there in the regular season. I would say I was at least six ahead in the regular season. You're probably two or three ahead in the postseason. Yeah, so I think I've won every week yeah. in, in yeah. the postseason. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes to close things out for Take to Rake. It's going to be a sad four months without it, but it just makes it that much sweeter when we finally get back to it. So our final thoughts, and my final thought is, again, uh, the Orioles are rumored to be in on Jacob deGrom. It, I just, as much as I like him, I don't trust that he can that he can post up mm-hmm. for 30 starts. And if you're going to have to pay him $40 million a year to make 15 starts, I don't see how that's worth it. I don't see Mike Elias dipping his toes in those waters for a guy that you're not sure that can. Now, if you know that he's healthy, and you know he can make 30 starts a year for you for five years, okay, I just don't think he is. I just don't think that you you can trust that. Um, And I do think that, I don't know what to think as far as the offense is concerned. I have no idea what liftoff means, but I am really, really excited to see what's going to happen as early as two weeks from now. Uh, uh, Next next show, we'll be talking more in depth about what could really happen because it'll be all that we're focused on. Right. Um, So, and it's an exciting World Series. I'm excited to to watch how this thing plays out. Yeah, I mean, my my final thought is, you know, I I look at what the Orioles have the chance to do in this offseason, and I've talked about it a lot, how I think they need a veteran leader, and I really think that's going to be important. Um, You know, Michael Brantley, I would say, look at what the Astros have done over the past few years and, and how veteran leadership has really moved them along and and created that mentality of let's just show up and play let's just show up and win and they become the expected winner because of that and I think a lot of it has to do with guys like Carlos Beltran and all the veteran leaders like Michael Brantley who have led them through this time so Michael Brantley JD Martinez these are great fits the Orioles need that veteran guy you can't rely on only what the farm system provides you because Mm -hmm. no one is going to bring that experience and leadership Adley Rutschman has plenty leadership qualities but he doesn't have that World Series experience that a guy like Michael Brantley or JD Martinez does so I think that's really important and the Astros are a great testament to that yeah and I'm selling myself more and more on JD Martinez me too if, if, if me that's, too if that's the guy that they bring in it's almost like bringing in a lefty yeah yeah and even if even if he only hits 20 home runs he still he still hit 43 doubles this year he's still a productive mm-hmm. player and he's still like you have to worry about him in yeah. the heart of that order and if he's sandwiched between you know Gunnar Henderson and Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. Uh, that is a, and he knows how to win. The yeah. guy knows how to win, and he's yep. a, he's a good leader. Yeah, that, that's that. That would be a solid piece, and I like the comparison to to um, uh, Beltron. Yeah, for the Astros, Beltron and McCann, for that matter, McCann and, too, and, and sure. Verlander. Yeah, for the Astros in 2017, I I really like that comparison and I think that that's exactly what this Orioles team needs uh, buckle up guys not to use Buck's uh, <laughs> um, statement but big Mets it, fan over here it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be really really interesting and that's starting pretty soon here yeah. down the stretch Can't so, wait. Uh, Ravens they've won two games in a row yep they uh, they are the only team to have a double digit lead in the fourth quarter of uh, every game yep. this year and look, they won. They won on Sunday. Um, this they were up by ten in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning that game twenty three twenty. Then they win again on Thursday night. Yeah. They end up winning that game twenty seven twenty two. And the defense, the defense for me, in each of the last two games, it, it, it's like it took them a, like a drive and a half. Yeah. To to get so it's like the first drive of the game in both the Browns game and the Bucks game. It's like, all right, let's sit back. Let's see what they're going to run on offense. Script the drive, yeah. They're they're going to come down, and if they go down and score, okay. They go down and score touchdowns. Then the next drive, they get a big play. 
get into field goal range, and then that's when the Ravens dig their heel, their heels in and don't really give anything up until the fourth quarter. Right. The offense in the first half um, of this Bucks game, 30 passes to seven runs. They ran the ball yeah. seven times for 26, 27 yards. Um, threw the ball 30 times. Lamar Jackson had 144 passing yards yep. in the first half, but they're down 10-3 to three at the half. They come out. They score three touchdowns and a field goal on, on four consecutive drives. Yep. Rush for 206 yards in the second half. And I look at the, the offense that they ran in the second half, and I think to myself, that is the perfect offense for the Ravens. Lamar, 8-for-8, yeah. eight eight, 94 yards, rushes for 42 yards. He throws two touchdown passes in the second half. Yep. That is the kind of performance that's going to win them football games. Down down the stretch here, you're getting to the second half of the season now. They're they're five and three. They're in first place. They control their own destiny here, and they play one game. Yeah. In the next yep. 23 days, has an opportunity to get Bateman, Edwards, and Mark Andrews healthy, and get guys like Ajabo and Tyus Bowser back, and Marcus Williams for that matter. I don't know that he will be back before December, but this is a huge opportunity for the Ravens to get healthy and make a nice little push here for the playoffs. And when you factor in that they don't play a team that currently has a winning record until the last game of the season against the Bengals, things may be locked up by then. The Bengals, Jamar Chase, he's out for an extended period of time. Things may be locked up in this division by then. It's as down as we were after that loss to the Giants. That's as excited as as I am uh, about the team right now because I think that they have a great opportunity to really stack some wins. Yeah, I mean, you look at what they they did against the Bucs in the first half, and it was the same, same old, same old offense with with unoriginal plays, and I, I think it was plays the Bucks had seen a million times before, and watching the tape before preparing for this game. Um, in the second half, they came out, and it was a completely different look of an offense. They were much more creative. You saw a lot of different play fakes that were getting everything more involved. Devin Duvernay had an excellent second half. Mm-hmm. They got him so involved, and Demarcus Robinson had a really underrated game as well. Because what they were able to do is they were basically giving, they were taking what was given to them. You know, mm-hmm. if if you've got a corner. Um, who's not pressing and he's playing five or six yards off of a guy, then you do a little curl route, you do a little dig route, or something that can get the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hand really fast and get an easy completion for five or six yards. And that's what they started doing. And when they started doing that, it made all the world, all the world of a difference. And they, you know, they started looking like the Ravens again. And that mm-hmm. allowed them, once they got that short passing game going, it allowed them to get the run going as well. And they looked really good. Uh, Gus Edwards, you know, he, I know he's not even 100% healthy, but he looks excellent. Kenyon Drake had a pretty solid game. I wish they'd get Justice a little more involved because I do think he's a really good running back. He's a nice change um, of pace back. He is, and he's very shifty. He gets you know a lot of elusive moves. They are a team who's got to keep that same mindset and mm-hmm. going forward. They've got to do the short passes, play fakes, different things to shake it up, and not what we've seen over the past three years with Greg Roman. Uh, Isaiah Likely. His coming out party, six yep. catches, seventy-seven yards. He has he called the touchdown pass after Mark Andrews gets hurt. He he had it. He was huge. Yep. He was huge. He made yep. you not. You're always going to miss Mark Andrews if he's not on the field. But he made you kind of not miss him. I don't. I don't um, think you win that game without him. Yeah, you, know, you absolutely don't. In my opinion, he had that that also that big reception on a scramble uh, by after he scored the touchdown by Lamar. Um, and then he recovered the onside kick mm-hmm. just for the little coup de gras. Um, the the offensive line is getting better and better yeah. each week. I mean, Ben Powers has had a 
good year, and he's maybe your weakest offensive yeah. lineman. Uh, uh, Tyler Linderbaum is just dominating. Up he's front. dominant. Uh, yeah. uh, Ronnie Stanley is is back to being Ronnie Stanley. Morgan Moses is, is quietly solid at at right tackle, and Kevin Zeitler he just doesn't give up anything. No. That that offensive line, and if you can have Ricard in there blocking, they're only going to get stronger. This team is on the uptick, getting healthy at the right time. I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's and the the, the defense. Mike McDonald, man, th- that pass rush—they're quietly one of the. I think they're in the top five for sacks in the NFL. They yeah. had they had only a couple of sacks, both of them by Justin uh, Houston this past weekend. But they got a lot of pressure. Justin Houston has six sack, has six sacks in five games, four sacks in the last two games, and he's played just forty snaps. Yeah, Houston—he uh, brings that vet presence, and he knows he's one of those guys who's lost his ability physically in a way, but he's he has that mental idea of, of just how to get to the quarterback. You know, the swim mm-hmm. moves, whatever he's doing, the power rush. It's it's so impressive watching him, him you know, really dominate. And, and Justin Houston's still great at age, what, 34? 33, 34, yeah. something like that. And, and honestly, limiting his snap count is keeping his legs fresh. Yep. It's, it's helping him uh, be much more effective when he is in the game. So, and Jason Pierre-Paul is still a presence that you yeah. have to account for. So it's the, the and Patrick Queen is getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot better significantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really like the play of the defense right now. Geno Stone stepping in huge yep. for Marcus yep. Williams. He hasn't been a world beater, but he's been really solid. He made a huge change of pace play where on third down uh, on third down where he knocked the ball out of Chris Goblin's hands. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest plays of the game. I think if Chris Goblin catches that ball and gets that first down, this game could have gone completely different because yeah. the, the, the Bucks at the moment had all the momentum. Tom Brady is he done? Yeah, yeah. He's if, done. You know, people have been saying this for years. This is one of those seasons where. They're in maybe the weakest division in football. Yeah. And they could sneak into the playoffs by winning that division at eight and nine. Yeah. And then you see Tom Brady make a run and he ends up winning a Super Bowl. But like, it's the first time uh, in 20 years that Brady's had a three game losing streak, I yeah. believe it is. So that, that hasn't happened. So it, their it's, inability to run different. the ball, especially Leonard yeah. Fournette is such a good back and their inability yeah. to run the ball is mind blowing to mm-hmm. me. And it's it's costing them mm-hmm. games. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Special thanks to our sponsor. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment, which was just fantastic. Fantastic today. And thanks to Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer for coming on and talking some Phillies in the World Series for us. We will be back next week with another edition of the Bat Around talking maybe the end of the World Series, talking some free agency and what's next for the Orioles. Uh, Until then, as always, see ya!